against the boards. Barner lost it. Now it comes to the Canadians who shoot it into the empty net. Tyler Toffoli on a breakdown by Mitch Barner on the far boards. And that will do that. Really hard to put it uh, into words. Uh, we're obviously devastated, disappointed, expected better of ourselves. Felt we were capable of a lot more, obviously not just tonight, but uh, through the whole series. Austin and I, especially come playoff time, you want to be the guy to go to and the guy that can lead the team out of a uh, you know, series. And we had multiple looks every single game. It just seems like it's a thing that's not going in, so really no excuse. I just think of how hard our team battled and for it to end on a goal, you know, Worst goal of my career happening game seven. You know, it's not acceptable. That is the worst loss in a playoff series by the Maple Leafs in our lifetime, Ziggy. I have a hard time digging up any other example. The If you're old enough to remember the heartbreak in 1993, that was a team that was quite veteran-laden, but it was the first time in our lifetimes after a rough decade in the 80s that the Maple Leafs were good. That group was special. That group played every other night. That group gutted it out for 21 games over 41 nights. And then in 94, they tried to run it back and got all the way to the Western Conference Final, lost in five to Vancouver when they ran out of gas. The Pat Quinn teams were scrappy. They had some high-end talent, but they, they were scrappy, and they, they, they'd fight you in the alley. And... They won some playoff series, but I don't think anybody legitimately expected them to get to the Stanley Cup final and win the Stanley Cup. Then there was the decade of darkness. In that decade of darkness was the 4-1 to third period lead collapse against the Bruins in 2013, but that was more of an isolated 10 to 15 minute period of hockey where, where they collapsed. This was a build. Game five to game six to game seven, the worst playoff series loss in our lifetimes. And you and I both have ages that start with a four. Yeah, um, this is this is a tough one. I don't want to pin it on Marner and Matthews, and, and that's what's going to happen. That's what happened last night. It's going to happen the rest of the day. They weren't great. Matthews was a little bit better, but when they're your top two guys for the whole regular season and they come out and do that, what they did in the series, there's going to be some questions to be answered. And I, I don't, I can't, I can't even pinpoint what it is. Like, is it the fact that they just don't show up in the playoffs now? Cause now it's becoming a trend, right? This isn't just this year. Um, and I'm not saying Marner Matthews haven't had good playoff games in the past, but I don't think people, I don't think Leafs nation even cares if there was a, if Matthews had a good playoffs last year, or two years ago, or leads the league in goals or Marner Marner would have led the league in points. Like we're at that point right now with both of these players where we need to see, we need to see this team win. However possible, however, whatever way you want to do it, find some way to carry the team on your back and push them and get them past, get them over the hump kind of. And it didn't happen. The points weren't there. I'm not going to say they weren't engaged. Like this isn't, uh, this isn't a situation where 
your stars don't look like they want to be out there. Martin or Matthews want to win. I've said this at the start when the season, when the series started, sometimes your top players have a hard time finding the back of the net and you're going to need secondary scoring. Well, they got some of that, right? And I don't know where you want to include William Nylander, but is he, is, is he your primary? Is he your secondary? For me, most of the time, I like having him as kind of your secondary scoring, right? Your Matthews and Marner are your go-tos and, and Nylander's the guy that picks up the pieces. Well, he did that in the series. He was great through the first five. I thought he tailed off a little bit in game six and seven, but he was good for the majority of the series. But these two, 34 and 16, it's everybody wants them out of town right now. And the trade talks for Marner, I don't like it. I, I don't think you have to move on from him. I don't think you have to move on from any of the big four. I think the the skill that they have on this team, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna advocate for you build around it. You know, I'm I'm with Elliot Friedman on this. Where if if I just don't see I don't see a way out of this without the big four. That's my thing. And we said that we would we talk about in the bubble this past year. Okay, this is a pass. If it doesn't happen the next year, they have to move on from this group. But the more and more I think about it, flat cap, I think of the Eichel situation in Buffalo. I think of all the great players they had in Edmonton. Once you move on from players and you make that trade, most of the time, they don't work out well for your team. So the whole trade talk, I know we're going to be talking about it all morning. I think it's a little early for that. I need to sit and and watch some of these games again. But I, uh, from what I saw, they Marner didn't show up in the playoffs again. Like I, I don't, I, I, I don't know if it's a nervous thing if Montreal played well. Like I think it's a combination of of both of them. I think the pressure is there. I think the Habs don't get enough credit. And I said to start the series, I will say this: I was wrong. I said the Leafs would win in four or five, but I did say. This isn't going to be easy and be careful because the Canadians, what have I been saying all season? This team, once they get to the playoffs, watch out. And why did I say that? Because of their D. Sherratt, Weber, Petrie, Edmondson. Like they're that one of those four guys were on the ice at all times. And I know BXA was highlighting Sherratt last night. I'm telling you, it's hard to generate anything. It's there's nowhere to move in in the offensive zone. And Montreal did a great job neutral zone. That's I, I coach U of T, one of the coaches there. And we work on that a lot. And when you have high powered offenses like like the Leafs, you have to find a way to shut them down. You shut down the neutral zone, there's a good chance you're gonna shut the Leafs down. The Canadians did that. We don't talk about it a lot. You can't even see it on TV what they do, but they even went to a one four checker with four players across the blue line at times. And Toronto had to jump the puck, had to dump the puck in. And that's something new we've seen this season and they don't like doing it. And I, I just, I don't think Montreal gets enough credit. And the other thing I mentioned was carry price and net. I don't even think he was that spectacular. Like it wasn't like he stole every game and it was a one, nothing game or two, one game. Like he made the big stops when it mattered. 
And the only time the Canadians got in trouble was when they got comfortable, right? Look at all the times they let Toronto back in in games five and six or games two, three, and four. When, when they got comfortable in the series after winning the first one, game two wasn't great. Games five and six, they, give, they, get, up, they get up in both games. They give it away because they got comfortable. And I thought I, I thought I saw it yesterday again with them. I don't know what was said on the bench with Ducharme, but they didn't fall back in that trap because they learned from games five and six. I this is a playoffs. It's different than the regular season. Throw out all your numbers. Throw out all you what are your what's expected. It's about heart. It's about guts. It's about going out there and wanting it. And it's about going and finding a way. And no matter how we can sit here on the radio and talk about this for 10 hours today. There's nothing I will be able to do to exactly explain what that is. That's something that players that have been in that battle know about. And it's, it's hard to watch for Leafs nation because on paper, we're better. We have better players. Um, our goaltending is good this year. We have the coaching. We have the depth. We have the young guys Our our big four, they have the experience. We bring in, we got a, a captain that's that goes down, but we have the depth to overcome that. And it just doesn't happen. And I'm sorry, but I I don't think there should be changes, but I have a hard time believing there won't well, be. Because how do you just how do you sit here and 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 keep watching that? Well, if I'm if I'm Kyle Dubas and I'm waking up this morning, presuming I've even slept. I got to let this marinate for just a little bit. But let's be very clear on what happened here. Kyle Dubas pivoted this year. Kyle Dubas went and got more quote-unquote leadership. I think Kyle Dubas satisfied the old school. He brought in a Joe Thornton for the voice in the room. Joe Thornton is not coming back. God bless him, first ballot Hall of Famer. Joe Thornton is either playing somewhere else or heading into retirement next year. He will he will not be a Toronto Maple Leaf. Jason Spezza was fantastic. Wayne Simmons, when he was healthy, played an effective role. They went and they got veteran leadership. They added to that with Nick Foligno primarily at the trade deadline. They approached it differently this year. They surrounded the young core, the big four, with different types of players. And you know what? It still wasn't enough. Kyle Dubas got burned. His players burned him. This team was up three games to one. Three games to one in this series. They dominated game two. They were very effective. Shut it down in game three in Montreal. Looked like they took control of the series coming home with their performance in game four. And I know it was a couple of overtime losses, but let's be real. And I was trying to paint a, a positive image of that. They happened to come back from a three-goal deficit in game five. They happened to come back from a two-goal third-period deficit in game six. They kept digging themselves holes. And you knew it last night that they were not coming back because Carey Price was not going to allow that to happen in the seventh game. And the Montreal Canadiens locked it right down. Locked it right down. The high-danger scoring chances were almost nil for this Maple Leafs team. And so, Ziggy, I'm sitting here and I'm going, this league is going to kick off its next season, hopefully pretty close to the normal time it usually would. 
early to mid-October. And then we're assuming they're going to play an 82-game season. And if all things stay the same, we're going to watch Austin Matthews pursue 50 goals. We're going to watch Mitch Marner be somewhere in the 85 to 100 point range. And we're going to live in those moments. And I think we're going to forget about what just happened here today every now and then. But the anger and the rage, the disdain, the resentment that this fan base has for the inability of this group to accomplish something which is not an unreasonable ask. Win a playoff series. You don't have to hoist the Stanley Cup. Only one team gets to do that. It would be nice if it was you at some point. Win a playoff series. Sid and Evgeny did it. Kane and Taves did it by this point. Some of them were hoisting cups by this point. Young no longer. And we're going to sit and watch an 82-game season and celebrate the sexy stats. And we're going to watch Corsi 4 go through the roof. And we're going to watch the high-danger scoring chances be heavily, heavily in favor of the Maple Leafs. And this, that, and the other thing. And show me the graphs. And show me the charts. And show me the hits. And show me the plus-minus. Get old school. Get new school. Nothing will matter until next April. Nothing. Nothing. They'll cash their checks, they'll run up their stats, and we'll just sit and wait for spring. And you know what'll happen when spring rolls around next year? This fan base will expect them to lose. And they shouldn't, because they're a damn good core of players. But until they show that they can get it done when it counts, it doesn't matter anymore. The hardest thing to do right now is to sit back and actually see what's there and pinpoint what you think went wrong with this team. And it's easy to sit here and pin it on certain players and tell everyone how much you want to trade whoever on the team. A couple years ago, it was Nylander. Now it's going to be Marner. And and really see it's the hardest thing is to do nothing right and to come back with the same group i i'm and i'm not there yet i i and i th- remember what i was worried about in this series had nothing to do with matthews and marner i was i i think coming into it was is nylander going to show up for the playoffs i think a lot of people were talking about that and i think the goaltending situation was was the talk of the town right is Campbell going to show right, up? I thought he was. I thought he was. Issues. I thought. I thought he was. I thought he was excellent. But was I didn't he... like. I didn't like. I didn't like the first goal last night. I. I thought it was. And I. I have a group chat with the coaching staff at, at UFT, and we're we're talk, we always talk during the games. And we're talking about all the bad shots and bad angle shots Gallagher takes. And I said I don't like him because a lot of times he doesn't put them on net, and they kind of get. They go out of the zone or they wrap around the far end. I said, if he can find a way to put those on in dangerous situations, I think they can be effective. But he comes down, kind of cuts left and shoots off his wrong, you know, his off foot and back the other way five. Well, I think it was a tough shot to pick up, but I just didn't like it for a game seven. Um, and that's a big moment. But outside of that, I I can't. I'm not putting this. You can't put this right. game on Campbell. But your your two points there about Nylander and Campbell. 
Nylander showed up. Campbell, for the most part, was good. Well, but, Nylander showed up through five games. Okay, like, I, I, I didn't think he was very effective in, but I, I'm okay with, I'm okay with him playing bad in game six and seven. Like, I don't think, and he was third star last night. I, because he scored the goal. Like, I, I don't know. I just, he, I didn't see what I saw from him. Should have been the three stars. Yeah, well, I, I didn't see what I saw from games one through five. Game six and seven, he played bad, but it wasn't Columbus and Bruins bad from a couple years ago. Like, it wasn't at that point. Like, at least he's engaged. He can, A player can play bad and be engaged, and I can live with that. But when you're not engaged and you're not, you're, you're not in the fight, I... Then, then I have an issue. Then I want to. Then I look to say, okay, well, this player, I think they be, would be but, better somewhere else. But I like, are you for Matthews and Marner? Are you, are were they not engaged for you? Like, were they? Did they not? Did you not see them fight enough? Like, is that is that what you what? No, like, what, what no, do, no, no, no. What, what I think? what I'm what I'm doing what I'm saying is, and I'm more hung up on sixteen than I am thirty four. What I'm saying is. Understanding, understanding that some people will say it's an oversimplification, but I will continue to come back to the hard-capped league. You are an $11 million hockey player who fancies yourself in the realm of Austin Matthews, a different type of player, but in the realm of Austin Matthews, in the realm of Connor McDavid, in the realm of the top players in the game. You have got to produce. You, you cannot... Everything you said about Nylander and Campbell... Ziggy, the concerns that you had that were allayed generally by the performance of the course of the series is predicated on the fact that Matthews and Marner are going get to get it done, are going to contribute offensively. I have no doubt that these guys tried. I have, I'm not sitting here questioning their effort. They did not get the job done. And so what Kyle Dubas has to do is assess can these guys get the job done? Do you have the patience to play the long game? You have traded multiple first-round picks for a variety of different reasons over the last three or four seasons. You acquired Muzzin one year. You acquired Felino this year. You got Patrick Marlowe off the books in another. You, I think, I got to check cap friendly here just to get it absolutely locked down correct. You've got your second rounder, your fifth, and your sixth this year. You got three of the seven draft picks that you have afforded to you this coming draft. In 2022, you got your first, your second, and your seventh, but you don't have your third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Like, he has traded significant draft capital. And so, if this group can't do it, then what? The Robertsons, the Amirovs, and all of these guys are going to come up. They're going to play on the cheap on their entry-level contracts. Are you going to run it back with Matthews and Marner, or are you going to take a look at one of the players in the core? And, and in terms of value contracts, I'm not talking about whether these guys are quality hockey players. I'm talking about in terms of production to salary, do you identify 16 and say, maybe we pedal that out, we get a package back, and we pivot, and we use some of the freed-up cash to sign a big UFA defenseman or someone else who's available? 
These are the sorts of decisions that are now staring them in the face. Because I can tell you right now, I, and again, Twitter by itself is not a great judge. My phone was blowing up last night with family and friends. Like, Ziggy, I haven't experienced anger like I'm experiencing right now from the Maple Leafs fan base. Anger. They don't believe in this group. And there is, there's a, almost an underlying disdain for it. And, losers. Well, because that's what they are. They're losers. I don't know if it's quite like no, that. But I just, I, I think the injuries to, I think the injury to Muzzin hurt. I think when one of the big four up front goes down and doesn't play, I think it's a totally different team. Like if one of them is out of the lineup, what, and I know Kerfoot filled in very well and his role expanded a little bit. Engvall came in and was decent for the most part. But when one of the big four don't come, when they don't play, this is a different looking team. And I know it's easy to say now, and you can say, well, what happened in games two, three, and four? I think Montreal was just, I thought it was really bad. It was uneventful hockey games two, three. Like, I thought Montreal kind of gave up in three and four at home. Um, which is why the like I think games three and four for the Leafs were so easy that they expected to finish off the series the same way. But I just with when Tavares going down, it changes the makeup of the team. And I I know we're gonna sit here and look at the stats of sixteen and thirty four and saying this is the reason we lost. I I I think there's more to it. I mean, there's a there's a lot of things. Um, decision to bring Sandin in. And I thought he's an, I think he's an NHL defenseman. I think he can be an all-star one day, but a young guy like that struggled at times. Dermot on the giveaway in game six. Um, although I think he's, uh, I think he's an NHL as well. And I don't think he deserves to be a healthy scratch. I don't think he's a depth guy. I think he's an everydayer, but that was a tough giveaway for him. But I just, I don't, you can't put it on. I, I, you just, you can't put this loss on, on the two players. I, and I'm not saying they were great and they're, they're at no fault, but if you want to talk about, like, well, if you want to, if this is about salary cap. Yeah. Move Marner. You want to open something up and bring a defenseman in and bring somebody with uh, bringing a, a good third liner, somebody with a little bit of grit. Fine. Like we had the same conversation a year and a half ago. Too much of our salary cap is in four players. And I said, okay, trade somebody. Who do you want to trade? And they're like sitting there and then you're twiddling your thumbs. It's like, well, I can't trade my captain. I'm not going to trade the best goal scorer in the league. And I'm not going to trade the guy that that that's the engine on our team in Marner. And I don't want to trade Nylander because I like his contract. I'm like, so, or usually it was, it was either that or it was, okay, I can settle with getting rid of the Nylander. That's what the conversation was 16 months ago. And now it's going to be about Marner because he didn't show up in the playoffs again. I just, well, you just, and you just said it again. Like yeah. at some point they have to produce. Like it's, it's not enough. It's not enough to just go out and have nice regular seasons. It, it isn't. It, yeah. Th- your, your job is to produce at this time of year. And if you can't, it doesn't make you a bad human being. It doesn't make you worthy of getting trampled on on social media and mistreated with personal attacks but it does it does lead to responsible questions about what it is you bring to the table when it 
when it's not cutting time. And this, again, it's a trend. It, you know, they lost to Washington in their, in their rookie seasons. All right, they were kids. Washington, pretty good hockey team for a long time. The two Boston series, they were the road teams in games one, two, five, and seven. They lost a couple of game sevens on the road. Could have gone either way, arguably, although neither game seven was going in the Maple Leafs' favor the way that those two played out. But they were the underdogs. It changed last year, and it didn't change with the Columbus bubble play-in series. It was the inconsistent BS all season leading up to the the COVID break. I mean, I, I'm listening to Mitch Marner talk. We need to start on time. I'm saying that in my head in the Mike Babcock accent because that's what Mike Babcock used to say all the time. It's also what Mitch Marner would say a year and a half ago. This is game five or game six of a playoff series against the Montreal Canadiens. You are clearly the better team. You can, Carey uh, Price is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Shea Weber is a, is a, is a true veteran stud on the back end who's in the twilight of his best years, but, you know, in his heyday, you'd have taken him on your team. And there's Edmondson and there's Sherratt and there's Petrie and there's all this. But take a look at the list of playoff teams this year. Montreal is at or near the bottom. They would have been the preferred opponent for most teams in the first round of the playoffs. And you couldn't get it done. And you had a three games to one series lead, having won game four, four to nothing. And yes, Muzzin got hurt. But if you'd taken care of your business in game five, game six wouldn't have happened. And maybe he wouldn't have gotten hurt because there wouldn't have been a game six. Like it's, they just, they don't have killer instinct. They don't have whatever it is that you earlier said, Ziggy is hard to describe. They don't have that. Their stats look good in the regular season, but they don't have it, whatever it is. Yeah, I and it's the hardest thing to do right now is nothing. And <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure where Kyle Dubas and Brent Shanahan go from here. Um, I, I can't see them making a coaching change, and I don't see them. I, I, I would give this group like I, I wouldn't make a change because what's the alternative? Like, bring me a trade proposal and I'll think about it, but. The only thing I would do is I would bring in a big number one defenseman. Dougie like if Hamilton. I had, if I had something to do, I would bring in a big number one and not just a number one, like a Seth Jones, like as good as he is. I want my, like when I bring in number one, he's got a quarterback, my power play too. And everyone's going to say, well, Seth Jones is a power. He plays a power play. I, I, he's not a, he's not a quarterback set up power play production guy for me. He does everything great, and I love every part of his game. But at the top, working the blue line side to side, I he would be that he would be on the power play if I had somebody else to quarterback it, and we used his shot on a flank. But he's not a guy to to run it for me and set up shot. But if you want to talk about a guy like that, Hamilton, that's if that move was available. If there was a move out there for a big number one, a true number one, I make it because as good as Morgan Riley was in the playoffs this year. And he played a lot better in these a lot of these games than the regular season the last couple of years. There's something from two years ago that's just not there. I don't. I, I talking with a buddy last night. He said, "Well, something still is bothering him health wise." 
I think it's something more. I think it's something off ice. I just, this is not the same player from two years ago. And he, not, he wasn't even bad in the series. I think he was a lot better than in the regular season. But two years ago, we were talking about a guy that was going to win the Norse. And it's just, it's not there. Um, but like I said, he's, he, you're not going to put this series on him at all. But if you want to talk about trades and who, what this team needs, a true number one defenseman is, is at the top of my list. We will open the phone lines for the full hour at seven o'clock. So be listening for your cue to call. I'll throw the numbers out a little bit later. Colby Armstrong, Mike Fuda, Tim McAuliffe, all ahead on the program. Gord Stellick. He'll have some things to say next. You're li- Phone lines will be open at the top of the 7 o'clock hour. We will take your calls for one full hour. Colby Armstrong, Mike Fuda, Tim McAuliffe will be our guests later on in the program. Uh, Leafs go out. The big name simply did not get it done. So there's the emotion in the aftermath. And man, are we getting a ton of texts. Like people saying they're done. My my challenge on that would be when October rolls around, you're coming back. You're coming back. I, I get that you're pissed. I'm pissed too. I've cheered for this team since 1985. This is the worst playoff loss, and it's not close, and it's got nothing to do with recency bias. That 2013 team was a fraud. It wasn't any good. I'm, I, I was the only one in my friend's group who was arguing that I was glad that they lost because had they won, they would have had home ice against the Rangers, maybe beaten them. And it would have convinced some people in the organization that that's the group you should have gone forward with for years and years and years and years and years. And then the more recent Boston losses, the Washington losses, well, they, they, they were the underdogs. They were the kids. They didn't have home ice advantage, but last year against Columbus coming off a rickety, weird, inconsistent, maddening lose to a damn Zamboni driver regular season. They piddled themselves against the blue jackets. And now this year, great 35 regular season wins in 56 regular season games goals galore from 34 Marner more than a point a game, blah, 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 blah. That in a nickel to quote Matt Foley, motivational speaker, Chris Farley, Saturday night live. will get you Jack squat. Gord Stellix here, co-host of Leafs Nation pre and post alongside Nick Alberga. Gord, this, uh, like, this sucks, man. It sucks. You know, it's, uh, there's, there, there's no cliches like the sun comes up and there's next year. Last night was hard to watch. It was, uh, un, they came out uninspiring. It was unbelievable and it's unacceptable. Like it, 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 it I did not think this is what I'd be talking about this morning. Uh, about and really the last three games as a whole and to see that it is uh, totally perplexing you brought in veteran leaders to go with the leaders you were developing from within and you would you know hope in a in a in a game you could clinch game six particularly game seven something would matter that way you sucked is is the absolute right word i mean there was nothing compelling about it there's nothing exciting to break down about it there really is just disbelief were you surprised when the game started that the lines weren't put into a blender? Because I was, <laughs> that's the one thing I I would have liked last night. And I'm not putting this on the coaching staff. 
but I would lo- I would have liked to just seen different guys, different looks, even not having Marner Matthews out together at, at all to start the game. Obviously, once that started, once we got deep into it, you have to make adjustments. But I I thought there would have been more changes or different looks to throw the Canadians, you know, last night. Just something different than games five and six. Well, you know, Ziggy, you saw Montreal did it, right? You know, after you know, they had a few losses and, you know, guys like Kock and Yemi were in the press box, you know, like Caulfield, mm-hmm. Suzuki, like, you know, their young guys reminds us of our young guys four years ago. And, and that there's no way that should be. But to answer your question, uh, uh, they stuck with who brought them to the dance and the strategy that brought them to the dance. And the big line gets the big minutes because that's the way it worked in the regular season. But to your point, like that, Opening period, I, I don't know if they thought they liked it because it slowed things down, but I thought it worked in Montreal's favor. It was this tentativeness, like uh, the first few rounds of a, a heavyweight boxing match, which I think generally the underdog likes to get by the first few rounds and then see what happens. And I thought you should have tried some things. You know, uh, easy to say in hindsight, but, you know, it just it, it wasn't working. I, I, I don't question the heart of anybody on the Toronto Maple Leafs. I really don't. Uh, but I, I, uh, you see, Mitch, Mitch Marner was just in a funk and mentally struggling. You knew that, like it just, it just was not happening. And we talked about that in a human side. We've had that. We all have that in our personal lives and that. But uh, at uh, at that point, yeah, you got to try to figure some some ways out. And the power play, you kidding me? In the third period again, like the power play uh, kept assuming, and I did, it was going to get fixed at some particular point, and. Uh, uh, in the third period, you got a chance to start and try to cut the two nothing lead, and that crappy power play performance um, gets them again. With with Mitch, is it a slump at the wrong time, Gord? Is there something more to his playoff struggles? And look, I mean, you're built how you're built. He's he's slight. Uh, he's hugely offensively gifted. I thought early in the series he was holding on to the puck for an extra half second, and then and then it's all, almost like he overcompensated later on in the series and was getting rid of it too fast. And it, so was he caught in between? Was his confidence shot? Or is he not, not built to be a playoff performer? I can't tell right now. And I'm also well, emotional. Yeah, well, you know, the, the, in the first playoff he ever played against the Boston Bruins, which would actually be the second one because they had one against Washington, but against Boston – he really had a strong playoff and Austin Matthews traditionally has had pretty decent playoffs, but you know, since then you're talking 18 games without a goal. And I think on the technical side, uh, you know, you, you take a look at what was it game one or happened a couple of times, but the one time when he had the two on one and Josh Anderson was able to come back and get the puck from him because the Montreal defenseman and the goaltender all knew he wasn't going to shoot. And as a matter of fact, it wasn't even a really favorable two on one to pass but he still was looking for the pass first. And I think obviously tendencies come into play more so in the playoffs because the teams play each other night after night after night and scout each other extensively. Talking to Chris Johnston about it last night, you wonder, does he, does he almost put too much pressure on himself about the pressure he seems to embrace and love playing in Toronto? Because, you know, he is beloved here. I mean, they, they love their players uh, uh, unconditionally in many ways. And, then in the playoffs, does 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 that maybe get to him that he tries to bring it to a different level and gets frustrated? I know last year when they had the horrible performance against Columbus, and I remember Kyle Dubas took umbrage about the criticism towards Mitch, which I didn't really notice. 
you know, if you're talking social media, then don't read social media. That that that's one. Look what they did to Ethan Bear in Edmonton. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you just got to ignore and, and and don't pay any attention to. I just thought, hey, it's nothing personal. You know, criticism is is fair and valid, and that's why this team's not this this team's not been able to close the deal the last eight times. And Mitch Marner, the hockey player, has been a big big part of that as far as the playoffs go. Unfortunately. Me and Scotty have been discussing the 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 nucleus of this team. Do they come back? And if you can remember back in 2019, it was couldn't get it done. Embarrassing another game seven loss. That's it. Then it was like, okay, let's bring him back for one more. And then now it was, okay, let's bring it back for one more because of the pandemic and the bubble. At what point, though? With this group, do you say enough's enough? Is is this the breaking point for you? Well, you know, Ziggy, I did um, uh, about eighteen months ago, just pre uh, pre pandemic, uh, uh, some kind of personal thing. I emceed a thing, a fireside kind of chat with Brendan Shanahan at an event, and there, he was asked that question about another playoff disappointment, and he said, "I know it's not the sexy answer, but you just got to go at it again and believe in what you're doing and go at it again." Now, this was pre Columbus and pre this one. It's now been seven years Brendan Shanahan's been in charge, and certainly he tore things down after year one, and there was a great progression the next few years, but he's got to say, this isn't what I expected. And I, right now, I, you, know, you don't blow things up. You don't whatever, but I, I, to me it's akin to the Raptor playoff disappointment that you had Dwayne Casey getting fired. I'm not advocating anyone getting fired, but that was, would not have happened had they not lost four straight. And then Masai doing the Kawhi Leonard trade. Now, there's not necessarily Kawhi Leonard trades out there. Maybe Seth Jones is that kind of comparable player. Like, he signed for one year, so he's going to be out there. Uh, no guarantee he'd stay with whatever team gets him, trades for him after one season. But I think certainly that's something, much like the Raptors did a few years ago, that uh, Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas, that they have to entertain a lot more than, say, they thought they would have 10 days ago. With Gord Stellick on leadoff, Sportsnet 590, the fan, in terms of their own UFAs, and there are a bunch of them, who do you pursue most hotly to try to retain? Oh, Zach Hyman. Uh, you know, that, Zach Hyman's the guy, and, and uh, I thought he had, allowed, he had a strong game last night. He had been hurt, came back, and was kind of, for a while, brought into a little bit of ordinariness with that line, the way they played for a few games. But there's no question I... Um, boy, he's kind of like Brad Marchand in a way that uh, he's he played a certain role, and then he all of a sudden his offense has clicked in more the last couple of years. So I just look at uh, I look at him being the number one guy. Uh, goaltending still has to get addressed. Jack Campbell was a great story. Boy, he was he was wrecked last night. I mean, the the emotional side of him, which the rawness which we love, may be also something that can be a problem moving forward for a goaltender to be, to be that sensitive about things. But certainly, you know, he did all more than you could have expected, but you know, if you're going to get somewhere, you got to make sure goaltending is locked down. But Zach Hyman to me is, is, is the number one project. Montreal just seemed to play a boring game ever throughout the series, right? Like every look at all of their wins that just, you know what, let's not give up much. Let's wait. Toronto will get impatient and there will be a breakdown somewhere. They're going to try to carry a puck in over the blue line when they shouldn't, when they should dump it, or they're going to try to make a play in the neutral zone. And that happened, right? Was, was there any kind of, you know, Ducharme versus Keefe where you said, where you were thinking, okay, I think this coaching staff behind, the, you know, the Montreal bench 
has really, you know, thought thinking this game outside the box and they've really outdid Toronto in certain areas and with game plans and matchups. Did you see any of that? Well, you know, we're going to have to really review it, Ziggy, because it's still so fresh and raw because the Leafs were up 3-1. And at that point, you're thinking uh, they they got by the John Tavares injury. You can't take any issues with the coaching staff when you're up 3-1 and even when it was 3-2. And then after that, um, you, you, you could have some valid points because uh, that, that's exactly what happens, Ziggy. You know that as, as a player. Because right now, a lot of people are using the narrative, you can't beat Carey Price. Carey Price did not beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's not what happened. The goaltender did not steal the series, and you can't let urban myth grow that way. You've got to give Montreal credit, Ziggy, for what exactly you articulated, that when it was 3-1, I thought they had played that style you talked about unsuccessfully and the Leafs had mastered it and you move on. And then all of a sudden they got like a second go at it to play that style. And I give them all kinds of credit. I mean, you know, they, they neutralized, they didn't give Austin Matthews a lot of space and, you know, a lot of things like that. And basically they took uh, whatever the Leafs would give them, which seemed to be a juicy giveaway, including, you know, Marners wasn't a giveaway, but again, it was a turnover, not getting the puck in deep. And then, you know, it's the kind of series Mitch has, the misfortune that Jack Campbell lets in his softest goal of the playoff series on that one. But Montreal saw that. So, yeah, their game plan, especially the last couple of day, couple of games, uh, was, was way, way more effective. But the, how can you get a game plan when you just show up seemingly uninspired? And that is befuddling. That, that, it's inexcusable, but I still can't believe that's the way this team, as a team, showed up the last couple of games. Uh, we'll leave it there, Gordon. Uh, I think we'll bring you back later on in the week because we'll be a little less emotional and we'll be able to look a little more forward to what the offseason could bring for this hockey team. Uh, we always appreciate the insight, pal. This one stinks and it stings. Uh, we'll chat very soon. Count on it. Uh, yeah, you'll have some interesting calls at 7, so look forward to that. Thanks, as always. Talk, we'll talk down the road. You bet. Gord Stelic with Nick Alberga, the co-host of Leafs Nation, pre and post here on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Colby Armstrong, Mike Feuda, Tim McAuliffe, all ahead on the program. Get in the queue now. An hour of your phone calls. 416-870-0590. 416-870-0590. We want your reaction. This show is for you. We'll read your texts coming up, too. This is Leadoff with Ziggy and Scotty Mack on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Ben in Innisfil, just wondering if Hugh is walking around like the whiz from Seinfeld today. Oh, God, I guess we'll find out. 416 number. Keefe was out coached by a guy who held his best forwards out of the lineup at the start of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, caught Cammy, Caulfield. I think they were, I think they were the best two up front. I said it to start. I, I couldn't believe they were in. They, they weren't in to start this series. How about this from <laughs> Brian and Barry? Let's lighten the mood. Everyone tell their favorite joke. I'll go first. The Leafs, your turn. Well, it's how, how they feel. It's how they feel. Uh, people have a right to be pissed. And there's disdain, man. There's, there is disdain this what morning. Do you think, what do you think Montreal's thinking when... Simmons comes out and says, I took less money to go with Toronto. And what, who did that open the door for with Montreal? 
Corey Perry. And he has, and he scores that goal. Are you just like Corey Perry like, just Simmons, standing in front of the net? Yeah. If Sim, if Simmons signs that contract with the Canadians, Perry doesn't sign, doesn't sign with them. Right. He doesn't go. I, was, there. I thought you were about to say Corey Perry might be a leaf. <laughs> just well, maybe. Who knows? You don't know. You don't know. You right? never know. Like, <laughs> you never know. You never know. And it, that's not, and that's, that's nothing against Simmons. Like I think Simmons, the injury really hurt him. Yeah, he like was great you, before the injury, and it once you get up there, you miss yeah. a big chunk of the season, and then a shortened, condensed season. I'm sorry, but it's that's a tall order to come back from. Um, and and he just didn't look his normal self from when he, and that's a lot of that has to do with the injury. But the whole thing around taking less money to come to Toronto than they come back and beat you, and the one of the guys that scores the winning goal was the guy they end up getting because he didn't go. I just there you go. Yeah, just another stuff. Another it's, piece of sorry, salt. That, another sorry, piece that, of salt sorry, in the sorry, gaping I'll stop, wound. I'll stop, the one that I'll I had, one of the ones I hadn't yet pieced together, but uh, there is there, and I'm sure there's more salt, more salt in the wound that I'm going to find out about. Four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety. Four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety. There have been heartbreaks in the past in our lifetimes. This one, I I don't I don't categorize this as heartbreak this this one was pretty gross this was the worst playoff loss in our lifetimes I was born in 79 Ziggy in 81 for a little bit of context pretty bad your phone calls your texts and Hugh if he wants to brag for a minute next time Pat Quinn got hired take me back to my happy memories uh, Kevin and Toronto on the text line to 590-590 the Jays were known for blowing leads and choking before they won 85 against Kansas City 87 in the final week of the regular season against Detroit 89 blown out by Oakland 90 they fell short to Boston 91 they lost in the playoffs to Minnesota do you think this Leafs core has learned enough to win or do they need a blockbuster trade like the one Pat Gillick made to shake things up, and I'm assuming he's referring to the McGriff and Fernandez to San Diego for LMR and Carter deal. Well, that's the question we're going to attempt to answer, not just today, but over the course of the coming days and weeks. People are mad, mad, resentful, furious, disdainful, rageful, and angry. This is a letdown. This is, you you're know, not, vitriolic. You're not an underdog you know anymore. You know who I, you know, there's only one person I want to hear from. And I was digging it up yesterday and this morning, like I was trying to find something because it's hard. We don't know who's on Zoom, who's not. I want to hear from Joe Thornton. That's the only person. I don't want to hear from Sheldon Keefe or Matthews or Tavares or Shanahan or Dube. I, I only want to hear from Joe Thornton and I want the goods. I don't want the, 
This is a good team. Let's keep him. I would love to know what he really thinks. That's the only person. No one else. Because he's seen a lot. He's been around for a lot. And I doubt you'll ever get it from him. But I would love to know what he really thinks. He's seen it all. All season long, he's been there every day. Like if I'm Kyle Dubas, this morning or tomorrow... I bring Joe Thornton in my office and I have a heart to heart and I say like, what don't, and I, if I'm Dubas, I say, what don't I know about this team? Because you'd be surprised with how many GMs don't really know what's going on in the room. They don't know what's going on with the players. They don't know what their players can bring. And it's, it's not a knock against GMs. It's just hard to know the pulse of your team and, and what, what is happening in the room. What are guys like? Like, I just, I've seen it so many times as a player where the, the sometimes management doesn't know about a guy or a situation or the relationships in the room and it affects so much, but they, it's, it's almost impossible to know. Like it's, it's something that not, uh, I, I think some of the best GMs in the game do know the most about their teams and that's what makes them effective on what they need, what trades, what guy has to come in, what guy has to go out. Do I make a change now? Do I wait? Do I give this guy a couple more years? Um, I think that's the biggest challenge actually as a, as a general manager or someone in management is knowing what's really going on because that's the, that's the first thing I would do if I'm, if I'm Dubas is I, I would bring Joe Thornton in and, and have a, have a one-on-one with him. Not just a year-end meeting. I mean a real conversation. 416-870-0590. Your calls for the hour. Hugh Burrow will jump in every now and then and probably laugh. We'll throw tomatoes at him. Uh, let's go to Woodbine Racetrack. Jeff is our leadoff caller on leadoff. Good Jeff, morning, Jim. it's your turn. Good morning, gents. Um, I, I'd like to say it was a good day today, but it's not. Um, I have a feel that we as Leaf Nation and the media to extent have a role in this. It's called entitlement. We have been saying for three years how great this team is, how they can score in bunches. They can score in will. They don't have to worry about the power play because they can score five on five in the regular season, perhaps. Playoff hockey whole different ball game. I'm 55. I have never seen anything like what I'm seeing with this team. Never. And the only thing I can fall onto is they are young, but you don't think they're reading their own clippings, how great they are, how wonderful they are, how good this blah, blah, blah on paper. They're going to blow away the Canadians. Uh, uh-uh. maybe Montreal was a little bit boring, but they're going on. They got it done. And I'm sorry about the coach, how you didn't move the lines. Marner wasn't producing. Nylander was. Nylander and Matthew should have been playing together. At least try it. Not the three of them. Nylander, Hyman, and and, uh, Matthews. That's what I've got to say, boys. All right. Jeff at Woodbine Racetrack, if you had blame the media on the bingo card within the first five minutes of the phone call hour, you win. B-I-N-G-O, baby. I don't know what you're supposed to say about Austin Matthews scoring 40-plus goals in 56 regular season games other than that's pretty good. I don't know what you're supposed to say about Mitch Marner being a better-than-point-of-game player again for this team in the regular season. It's pretty good. Things are couched now. Things are couched. It's a different 
the playoffs are a different beast. And if you run sure. into some, some good decors, I'm telling you it's, I'm going to keep beating that drum. And the only other person I've heard talk about how good the defense are is Kevin Bieksa. He highlighted it last night. And I've, it's one of the things I highlighted on this series before it started hit that and carry price. Um, I just, I, I think it's, they made it extremely difficult to generate anything and they shut down the neutral zone. I, the, the shutting down the neutral zone was more of a coaching thing for me than individual, you know, players and, and how effective they are on the ice and skill level that's coaching systems, but in their own end, yes, they, they have a structure and idea of how they want to play, but having one of those players on at all times, it's tough out there. Like I, I know Matthews and, and the goals in the regular season, but if if the back end of Montreal's playing that way, like watch out. Like well, I just I'm gonna say don't don't turn off the playoffs. Watch the this next series for Le- Leafs fans. Watch like look how good the top two lines are in the Jets. Watch how difficult this is gonna be. The only way it's a complete collapse for the Canadians going forward, and I know we'll have a lot of time to talk about this, is if they kind of relax and it's like okay we just beat the Leafs we had no chance and it's kind of what I talked about in games five six and seven the only way Montreal lets the Leafs back into those five and six is when they relax if they do that with the Jets yeah it'll be over in four but watch two of the best lines in the league and how tough it is against the Canadians let's go to Port Perry for Terry rhyme it up fire away Terry hey brother how's it going well we've been better but we're here, and uh, you can rant, pal. Take it away. Well, well, you know what? No, I'm not going to really rant that much because, you know what? It is what it is, right? This series, I got a friend of mine, a good personal friend of mine. His name is Fred Anderson. And I called him up, and I said, you know what? I am very worried about the series. He's a Habs fan. Not the Frederick Anderson that plays for Toronto. And he says to me, he goes, well, the Habs need to score a minimum of three goals to win. And this was so funny. He said that because every night we talk about it on game five, when they were heading back for six in Montreal, I called him up. I goes, Freddie, your team is going to win tonight. There's no way the Habs is going to go back home and lose six in front of their fans. And that's exactly what he said. He says to me, he goes, you know what? They got to score three. They're going to win. And yesterday morning, I sent him a message first. He says, congrats on the series. You guys are going to take it tonight. Then. Well, there was no way Carey Price and that shutdown team were going to allow the Leafs to come in with their high flyers and score. But here's the thing. You can't start tearing down this team and dismantling. Of, of course, people are upset. You know what? They just need to do some fine-tuning to it. Come back next year. Try it again. All right, Terry and poor Perry. Run it back with the core four, he says, and supplement yeah. around the edges again. I yeah, I just I'm I'm looking at what they have right now on on cap friendly, and um you know, they only have about the what I'm seeing right now is they only have about uh twelve twelve million. Is that like that's well, kind of right what, and that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. Okay, um, so but let's just quickly rip through it. Riley Nash, not coming back. Zach Hyman, they'll pursue it. We'll see. Maybe. Wayne Simmons, 
before you keep going, we have 14 players on the roster next year. So you're going to have to sign uh, outside of bringing prospects in or guys you think like Nick Robertson, if he's going to come up, you pretty much have to sign eight or nine players. You have $12.5 million. Sorry, keep going. Just have that in the back back of your mind. When you're like, when people are out there listening right now, you're saying, okay, sign Hyman. Well, that's going to cost $5.5 million. Okay, so... Now we're down to $7 million for eight players. Okay, right. Sorry. And so Wayne Simmons, I mean, I think that's a negotiable piece, but you have him or someone like him. Can you do it for cheaper than one and a half? Uh, maybe, probably not with Simmons, but maybe. Well, the whole, and the whole thing, I'll, I, I'll just keep stopping here. The whole thing around Simmons and Felino and, well, Dubas changed, and I wanted to talk about this in the last segment, and I'll just, before I forget, Simmons got hurt. And couldn't come back and play the way he started. Felino got hurt and probably shouldn't even been in the lineup. His injury is going to come out. He shouldn't have been playing. Um, so those are your two big guys. Riley Nash supposed to come in, add a little bit of physicality and round out that third and fourth line. He was coming off an injury. He just he couldn't gel and mesh with this group. And there just wasn't enough time for that. You don't just start the first game of the playoffs and say, okay, everything's magical. It just doesn't happen like that. So all these guys that you wanted to come in and change the style of your team, well, they were all injured. So I, people saying, well, Kyle Dubas changed the style of his team and it still didn't work. I don't think we got to see the plan of what Dubas had this year. I just think there was too many injuries, guys banged up, not enough time, and that's how it unfolded. I got Wayne Simmons as a question mark. I think Nick Foligno probably doesn't. Return. I mean, he was 1.375 mil this year. You got Alex Galchenyuk at just north of a million bucks. I bring Bill, I bring Galchenyuk back for the minimum. I, 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 if he'll do it for the eight, minimum, sure. Eight, eight, nine hundred. I bring him back. I, I think he was effective. I, I know everyone in their mind has the game five turnover and overtime, but they don't get they don't get to that point without him in game five. I just he he brings them something they don't have. If if I he's on the team for me. Like I try to resign him. Spezza at seven hundred grand. If he wants to come back, I bring him back. I I, I like Spe- like I, for value. He's the best in the league. I'm not sold on bringing Spezza back. Thornton, no. Thornton's not coming back. And then you, on your back end, you got Bogosian as a UFA who made a mill. Hutton who made nine fifty and Marinchin whatever making seven hundred thousand bucks. And then of course, Freddie and Riddick. The two goaltenders. I think you go and find new players. It's not the fact, even if they're not, they don't bring the same value and they're not even as good as the players they have right now. I think you just have to keep, you just keep bringing different guys in to see what sticks. Like that's, that's what it's about right now. And it's not easy. Like $12 million with 14 players on the roster. 12 million. This is where it's time for the Nick this Robertsons is, and guys like yeah, that. You're going to need that. Or if not, then you're going to have to get rid of one of the big four. I'll keep bringing that up. You Sandine, don't like it. Get, get rid of one of the big four. Then San, you want more cap space. Yeah. Sandine, even Liljegren, you know, does, does he get time on the third pairing next year? Guys like that needing to step in and fill roster spots. Let's go to Alliston for Ian. Good morning. Ian. Morning, gentlemen. You know, I could come on and make some flippant comments about how maybe AM34 should be MIA34 or 
Uh, just, you know, we still got Babcock on the payroll. Maybe we could bring him back, you know, but that's just low-hanging fruit. Let's talk about what's going on here because I don't know. I've ran out of a logical explanation for what is wrong with this franchise, so I'm turning to the illogical, and I'm not really superstitious, but I'm telling you, we're cursed. This franchise is cursed. I was born in 74, and we, we've been, you know, bunk calls on the ice, go back to 93 with Gretzky on Gilmore. Like, it's just, it just I could go on. For 20 minutes of all the things that happened, you know, like, I just, I don't understand it. There's a pall over this organization. Good hockey people with sound hockey minds come here, and they lose their ability to make good decisions. I mean, it's just, I don't get it, man. Like, I just, there's something going on with this franchise, and we don't need an analytics wizard. We just need a plain old wizard to sort this out, I think, because I just, I'm, I'm at a loss. I don't know what else to do, man. I keep coming back. And they just keep getting the same result. Like, I'm starting to feel like I'm insane for liking this team. I can't handle it anymore. It's crazy. And that's why I got a Jets sticker on the back of my truck, because I adopted the Jets about five years ago, because I love Paul Maurice. I love Mark Shifley. Shovel Dayoff's a great GM. I mean, just, I don't know what to do, but I'm done with Dubas, and I'm pretty much done with Shanny. Like, clean him out. I don't know, you know, what are we going to do, man? I, I don't know. Ian and Alliston. Doing yeah, the existential fr- stuff. That's that's the true a, frustration. True frustration. It's a, it's a frustrating time. I, yeah, it's the, it's the worst loss. Like up three one. It's and it's the three one. It happens more than than people think. Like I was going over a list of teams that have come back from three one from two thousand and nine. It's happened. Three, four, okay, five, the, six, seven, eight, nine. That was the tenth time okay, since two thousand nine. It's hard to remember sometimes, Ziggy. But count in the next little bit. Count the number of teams in that grouping that were the favorites down three games to one. The favorites are up three games to one. They're not supposed to crap it away. I, I think that that's potentially a differentiator there. And I'll to Ian's point about the superstitious and the supernatural affecting this franchise, the Toronto Maple Leafs have now gone 54 years without winning a Stanley cup. That is exactly half of the 108 years between world series for the Chicago Cubs. And what was that organization cursed with some dudes, Billy goat wasn't allowed into Wrigley field for one of the games in the World Series in 1945, I think it was. And he said, well, then there will never be another game, World Series game played in this stadium. They believed a goat cursed the franchise. You don't think that Anthony Rizzo or Chris Bryant or any of those guys who played for the 2016 Chicago Cubs had eyes on them? That parade drew the fifth largest gathering of humanity in recorded history. In Chicago, check the Guinness Book of World Records. They had eyes on them. So I don't buy this existential philosophical crap. I mean, they got to get past, they got to push through it and get past it at some point. There are eyes on this team, of course. There always will be. There should be expectations in the market. This is the biggest team in the sport that matters most in this city and in this country. So what's the expectation then for next year when Tampa and Boston? and Florida well, come back into the division. This was supposed to be the year. This was the easiest path to the cup they were ever going to have. And that's still true, at least through the division. Yeah. The first couple rounds. Yeah. They just didn't do it. Exactly. Um, 
So they couldn't do it when it was easiest. What makes everyone think they can do it when it's going to be much tougher next year? This is, you said in the group chat last night, this is, this is the biggest disappointment or collapse for, for Leaf fans. I, I agree with, I mean, the, the blowing the 4-1 lead to Boston, then losing in overtime, that was, that was maybe more shocking. Like it left you numb because you couldn't believe what you were seeing in, the, in those 10 minutes. This was almost from the get-go last night. After the scoreless first period, I really thought the Leafs would come out a little better. They didn't. And after Gallagher scored that, that bunny of a goal, that's, that's an awful, well, terrible goal. It was over. I think, I think another under-discussed part of this is the fact that this is a town that loves Doug Gilmore. This is a town that loves Wendell Clark. This is a town that loves Darcy Tucker. This is a town that appreciate Gary Roberts, guys who may not hoist the Stanley Cup, but who will almost die trying. And there are a lot of people in the texts that I receive who feel that some of these guys play with a sense of entitlement, play with a lack of grit, for a lack of a better word to use, that old school terminology, like they just, there's a lot of flair. There's a lot of flash. Yeah. There's inarguable skill, but the when skill it's still levels off the chart, nut crunching time yeah. it's. And, and so I think that is part of the disconnect is that the new school brand of hockey is unappealing, especially when it doesn't succeed unappealing to the people who came up on the Clarks and the Gilmores and the, Tuckers and the Roberts of the world. Even Sundin was a yeah. grinder, man. Yeah. He was a tough. Let's uh, let's take one more phone call here before uh, we get to Hugh's update. Tony and Vaughn. Hello, Tony. Hey, how are you? Listen, uh, I was born in '67, uh, so I've so been it's your fault. With, uh, that's that's what I keep saying. It's like I gotta <laughs> die before they win. Well, but no. just to make it clear, let me tell you something. Evan, Toronto hates Kadri. Suspended twice during the Boston series, right? Year after year. He's an avalanche. He's an avalanche right now in Colorado. He's suspended. Mm, he might win a cup. He might get a ring. How about Tyler Bozak, Lenny McDonald, Randy Carlisle? You got to win a to win a ring, win a cup, you gotta leave Toronto, you win the cup. Another thing, guys, just to remember, Minnesota North Stars nineteen ninety one wild card. They didn't have a chance. They blew them off wild card. They went all the way to the end, and they lost against who? Was it Pittsburgh, I think? Yep. And Mario? There you go. So you tell me, how do a bunch of guys, just somebody, you know, wild card, thrown together, I don't know if there was any superstars, Dirty Dino was on the team, Madano, a couple of years later, to go down to the Dallas, and they win the cup. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wonder how Kadri is doing. He's on an eight-day suspension, but I guess what? As soon as he comes back, he's going to put a ring on his finger. Well, I mean, players do leave markets and <laughs> win cups elsewhere. Phil Kessel was another name in Pittsburgh, but it, it, it I don't know, Ziggy. It, you you got to go yeah. through four rounds, and it's got to come together all at all at the right time, and it certainly hasn't yeah. happened yet. It's it's going to be tough to stay patient through times like this. It, it's hard. Washington Capitals, like 
Like, where do you put the big four against a guy like Sidney Crosby and Malkin? Where do you put them? Where do you put them? 2010 Sidney Crosby after winning the cup, where would you put a 2010 Sidney Crosby versus the big four right now? Like way above them? Well, it wasn't too long after 2010 that there were so many trade talks with Crosby and Malkin to ship them out of Pittsburgh. And then they come back to win two more cups. Like it's not just here. It's everywhere. It was in Washington with Ovechkin for years. It was in Pittsburgh after they won in 2009. It's hard. It's hard to stay patient. I just with 31 teams now 32, like winning a cup every 32 years. I, I like, who do I sound like right now? That's that's even crazier than the least losing last night. Who do I sound like? Brian Burke. <laughs> You know, it's like, it's hard. It's hard. Like it's, you got to expect the cup every 32 years. Like you should be happy. So take that and divide it into however many years it's been since I like, when was the expand? When was the expansion? Like 70, 67. No, no, no. The Leafs won the last original six cup in the spring but of when 67. They really, like when, when did it, when did they make well, it, went so from six, it went from six to 12 in 67, 68. So it doubled. And then in, and then it, it, there more teams got added like three or four years Early later, 70s, right? yeah. So whenever that second edition was, since then, it's become really hard to win. A, it's very hard. Phone lines are open at 416-870-0590. More of your calls. If you're listening right now on hold, we are getting to you. And Colby Armstrong will join us later in the hour. This is Lead Off, lead off with Ziggy and Scotty Mack on Sportsnet John Cena's catchphrase is you can't see me if you're okay. not a pro wrestling aficionado. 416 number, can someone explain why the penalties change in the playoffs in hockey but do not change in other sports during their playoffs? I can't. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm done trying. I'm actually, I, I can, but I'm I'm just done indulging that conversation. Well, the, Leaf, the Leafs didn't lose because of the No, they didn't, but regarding the calls last night, like... Who somebody got? Was it Hyman got tripped in the neutral zone or just outside the top of the offensive zone? I thought that should have been a call. Well, Stall mauled. Uh, who did Stall mall on the Stahl, sideboards in the Dermot? Yeah, 
Yeah, in, in the, the Leafs in, end. In, in the Leafs end. That should, like, I think they missed two calls against the Canadians. Like, if you're not going to call those, you can't call, like, the Angville one's a penalty. Yes. But the fact that you don't call the other ones, you almost have to let that go. I thought Caulfield sold it well, though. Right. Like, the Angville the Angle one's a penalty, but to your point, you can't call that if you don't call the others. And then so obviously the Leafs are behind and they get the next two power plays. There's a makeup call and then there's the you're trailing in the third period power play that you inevitably get. Like it, you can write the script with this stuff. It's it's bizarre. Uh, let's keep rolling on the phone lines because Colby Armstrong will join us in a, a little less than 15 minutes. Paul in Etobicoke. Good morning, Paul. Morning, boys. How are you? We're all right. I think it's critical that the entire organization manages their process in the offseason. And it's got to start with listening to every individual because they're all going to have a very strong opinion, but they're ultimately going to have to be unified and they're going to have to move forward and develop some killer instinct. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. Like, I don't have, I don't have all the answers right now. Like, I, I, I don't even know where to. Like, the, the, what happened this series? You need to really sit down and think of of what you want to do. Like, I don't think this is a, I don't think this is a one player fix. Do you? No, and I think one of the things we'll ask Mike Fuda, and, and you may have insight into this, you touched on it earlier, Ziggy, the desire to get Joe Thornton into a room and say, okay, tell me what I need to know if I'm Kyle Dubas. The one thing we'll ask Mike Fuda is, what does the exit meeting with Mitch Marner sound like? Is it Dubas or another executive or both doing a lot of talking? Is it the front office doing a lot of listening and Mitch doing most of the talking. Like how does this stuff play out in the aftermath of a situation like this? Yeah. That's that's because you got to know where guys heads are at and you've got to try to put your finger on exactly why this team can't get it done at this time of year. And it's five years now, granted the first three, they were young and they were coming into their own, and they were the underdogs. But I thought they erased some things this regular season. They were more consistent night in and night out. Last year, it wasn't so pretty. The regular season, there was a lot of disinterest for two long periods of time in, in a lot of games. It felt like COVID happened. They come back in the bubble, and they don't even make the technical playoffs because they lose the play-in. And it was like, well, that was the perfect culmination to the way their season went. Whereas this year, it's stunning that they lose to Montreal because they did look so good on the whole and pretty consistently for the 56 games. This is tough. It's tough right now. It's tough for men. It's tough for Kyle Dubas right now because you don't just want to blow everything up and change. If, if you're like... 26 teams could do that every year. 26 teams are probably saying, you know what? We're just not happy with what happened or 25. There's a couple that made it farther than they should have. And there's a couple that were just going to be so bad. They don't really care. Everybody else is disappointed and you can blow it up. The hard part for management and for GM is, is to really sit down and see what you have 
and what you can kind of still build around and what works together with what you have and where you want to go. That's the hard part at the end of the day. And you don't know, and you're making, you're guessing a lot of times you have to rely on, on things that have worked for you in the past and you have to stick to your intuition, your gut, like, and and that's hard as a GM, right? I think it's especially hard for teams that are so heavily into analytics and are so data driven. It's tough to make decisions on certain guys. Cause then you're like, well, this guy, he's great in, in all of his analytics and all the stats, but he doesn't show up in the playoffs. And this guy shows up in the playoffs, but his stats are brutal during the regular season. Like that's, what's tough. Right. And that's what makes sports the best reality show. We don't know. Like you don't know, take all the numbers, take the best managers, best. Like we don't know what's going to like, we don't know. And that's what makes it fun. That's what makes these series interesting to watch. Like, I'm trying to think of somebody coming to me and saying, well, Montreal is going to come back and, and, and win three straight against the Leafs. I'd have called you crazy. You're crazy. Especially like, after on. a four, nothing game four win, right? I'd, I'd have called you crazy. I thought they had it that night. They were coming back home to finish it off. Let's go to Angus for Patrick morning, Patrick. Morning. How's it going? Been better, but we're here and uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, so I think the Shannon plan's done. I think he's got to resign. Like, it's just not working. The team's not built the right way. I think the one of the biggest things, I'm not sure if he's up this year or next, is Riley. Next you summer, summer of 22. Yeah, you can't pay him the money he's going to want. He's, I know he's had injuries. He's just not where he should be. He's been around long enough. So many pucks get by him on the blue line. His passing's terrible. And his shots from the blue line is like when Marner shoots from the blue line on the power play. It's not doing anything. Um, and when Marner and Matthews and a few of the other guys, they just don't have that, that push for the playoffs. They're great in the regular season. They just don't have it in the playoffs. When Nylander, Kerfoot, and Spezza and Galchenyuk and Brody, let's say, are the ones who can change and maybe have that second gear, you're not going to make it far. Um, Campbell played good. That first goal was really weak. Um, so once that went in, I didn't think they were coming back. I truly didn't think they were going to win anyways because I've watched this team for a while now. Um, and, yeah, uh, Ziggy, I a little bit disagree with you about Nylander at 6-7. and seven. I think he was flying last night still. Uh, more back checking than I've ever seen him do in any regular season game. So I'm yeah. disappointed, but not surprised. Yeah, back checking's great and all, but the big problem is what was the issue with the Leafs this series? They can't score goals. Marner's great, penalty killing and back checking as well. No one's talking about that this morning. So there's your Nylander. Um, right. The thing with yeah, check. but the thing with yeah. ne- the thing with Nylander is at least he scored five in the series. Yeah, no, he played right, well he per- games one through five. The right. problem is, is that the problem in the series is well, what, what, what were the problem? What were the problem games in this series? Well, five, six, five, and seven. six, and seven. Yeah. Well, he didn't show up for two of the three big games. He was great through one through five. I'll give him that, but they needed to win one of the last three. And I didn't think he was good in two of the three of them. Like I'm right. But the, I, I, well, you could also, I, you could also make the argument not, that, that if, if we base the entire series on Matthews and Marner's production, they would have been out in five. Yeah. Well, they didn't need, well, the, here's the thing. 
you didn't need Matthews and Marner in, in games three and four. They didn't have, like, that's the beauty of this team is that when guys like Nylander show up, when Kerfoot plays really well, when Mikheyev has a good game, when Spez is buzzing, like, you don't need your top players some night. Like, that's the good, the way this team's constructed, that's, that's okay. Okay, but the, the flip fact- side of the argument is that if, if Nylander takes a dip in game six, it's about time that the two big players step the hell up. I, I agree. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, dis- I'm not, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. My thing is, is that you can say Nylander played great in the, in the series, but the two of the three games, he wasn't near where he was games one, the game six and seven wasn't nearly what I saw one through five. But it's it's different than past years. Like I'm okay with players not playing well. I'm okay with that. My thing is like, are you engaged? Do you want? Are you going out there to win? Are you being physical? Nylander still did all those things. Like I don't have a problem with him. But if we're gonna dissect players' performance in certain games, if you're gonna get upset with Matthews and Marner, I'm saying that you have to look at Nylander's games in games six and seven. That's it. And it's. It, it, he was different this year than past years. Like I, it, this if if he, if anyone has an issue or what, doesn't know what we're talking about right now, look at the last series against Boston. Just go through and watch, watch all those games, and then come back before you start talking about. Well, the numbers have been good, and Nylander's been excellent. He'll be the first to tell you this year he took another step forward. This was this was big for him. I don't think his value's ever been higher. Um, and it's, it's, I'm seeing a lot of what I saw his first two years in the NHL He's a dangerous player out there. Like games one through five, he's a threat to score. Every time he touched the puck, I didn't see him as a threat to score game six and seven. And it's a lot of what I saw out of Matthews and Marner. Like they weren't threats like they were during the regular season. They'll all tell you that. Like, yes, well, I, you can ask Nylander right now. If he's sitting across the table from us. Where would you see your game six and seven versus one through five? He's going to tell you, I, w- I, w- I wasn't as good as, as the first five. But that's not, he's not, he, it's, it, that's the thing. We're talking, the big problem in the series is, is five, six, and seven. It's not the, like, you can't look at Matthews and Marner and say, well, they just didn't show up in the playoffs. A couple of the games, they didn't need to show up. Like, somebody got it done. Like, if Matthews and Marner would have got it done in game six or seven, you wouldn't. I wouldn't even be. I wouldn't even bring up Nylander's game. That where was he in games six and seven? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying, if you're gonna if you're gonna evaluate a critique one player, you got to do it the same for all of them. And you can't just say, well, he was good earlier on. Well, Kerfoot was great earlier on as well. I didn't see as much out of him. He was yeah, the same. I just game I, six and seven went quiet. Yeah, the difference is is Matthews making close to twelve and Marner's making close to eleven. Well, if and yeah, Marner we can do, and Marner bullied and Marner bullied his way to that number, and God bless him, take every cent. I got no problem with that. But you can expect that the spotlight's going to be on you when it comes time to perform, and it's going to be brighter than it is on on most other players. And that's just the fact of the matter. And I'll reinforce this: it is even more so the fact of the matter, in the hardest-capped league of the so-called Big Four North American professional sports. Let's get to uh, Norm in St. Catharines. Morning, Norm. All right. How are you? Ziggy, I have to disagree with you. I've been listening to you since 6 o'clock. I mean, uh, Montreal came out with a, uh, like, fire in their belly. The Leafs, they came out with, like, they ate a uh, great big steak dinner. And another quick thing is I'm pretty sure Dubas tried to fill everything 
to make this team go well. And uh, I'm sorry, Marner. I mean, if, if, I, if I took your money, Ziggy, uh, say $11 million, and I invested it into a long-term thing, and you keep losing millions every year, every year, I think it's time you're going to say, well, I'm going to have to change this investor. Don't you think? It's time. Well, okay. So what's, the, what's the point you're making? I'm, Marner's got to go. Marner's got to go. go. All okay. Right. All right. All right. Well, I mean, and and that's that is a an opinion that more than Norm and St. Catharines holds this morning. And this is where it gets tough for Kyle Dubas: is you can't be reactionary, you can't be overly emotional, but you also have to look at it and say, "All right, this is pretty impressive hockey player in the regular season, but." even though you don't actually cash paychecks in the playoffs, that's when you make your money. That's yeah. when you make your money. And I'm, I'm I, yeah, and it's, it's games, it's games five, six, and seven are the issue. Like that's the, that's the problem. Like I, I don't think you can just take the series as a whole. I think you have to, when you get up three, one in a series, you need to look at it a different way. What what went wrong? Well, we couldn't close out a series. That's what you have to look at. Like, you can't look at well, guys didn't show up in game one. Like, where where was the breakdown? And I know Keith didn't even have answers for it. But you know, I I just it's it's hard at this point. It's it's hard to it's hard to sit and see. You know, well, what wh- who do I want going forward? Right. And right now, the next day, you're going to talk about Marner and Matthews. That's what it's. I just my whole thing is I, I give this group another chance. I really do. Matthews ain't going anywhere in in my books. I I'm disappointed in the fact that he didn't produce more in this series like everybody else. But he's if not the best goal scorer in hockey right now, he's top two, top three. So he's not going anywhere and you can't possibly win that trade. If you need to free up money because you're confident you can make a bunch of domino effect moves that spread the wealth a little more and improve your team, then I think you got to consider it with Marner. But you don't do it for the sake of doing it. You don't do it because you're emotional. You don't do it because you're reactionary. And we're all feeling that this morning. There's no question about it. Colby Armstrong. We'll share his thoughts. Mike Feuda, the uh, former assistant general manager of the cup champion Los Angeles Kings from a number of years ago. He knows Jack Campbell. He's been in those exit meetings. He'll give us his breakdown. Colby Armstrong is with us. You must be glad you're not within spitting distance of Toronto and the GTA this morning. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, 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 you know what? This is this morning after this happened is to be expected. Like, what were you guys thinking as the game went on, looking forward to going to work in the morning? Mm-hmm. It was going to be a disaster, <laughs> wasn't it? Well, yeah, it, yeah, I, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I didn't expect this three games in a row, like up three one. Oh, like, are no. you kidding me? Like, oh, I, oh, I don't, I don't comment a lot. Oh my. All I get on my Twitter right now is the experts thing that like all the sports that writers insiders and everyone picked the Leafs and people are just hammering us. It's like they were up three to one. How and the they, heck is it? 
and they won game four, four to nothing. Yes, Scotty, thank you. I mean, how how were we supposed to be this wrong when it was supposed to be we were supposed to be so right? How, like, how is this supposed to happen? So, yeah, I can see with something like that and this whole situation, how it played out, how everyone is shocked, how a Leaf Nation is destroyed. And how they, you know, for what I'm seeing, it's like, here we, like, this is what we do. This is how we do it. Is this like the, like the Leafs fan base is, is the Cleveland Browns of, of hockey. Yeah. It's well, and in, it's Stockholm syndrome. Like you, you tell me Colby, <laughs> like it's December 1st later this year. Okay. And they're 20 games into the regular season or 25 and Austin's got 18 goals and yeah. and Mitch has 35 points in 25 games. Are we do you think we're yeah budding at that point or do you think we're right back into it looking at the fancy charts and the graphs and the puck possession and the offensive numbers saying, "Ooh, this is like cuz it's also flashy, sexy and fun in the regular season." I don't think people are going to live in the six to seven month regular season window going, well, that's really nice that Austin's on pace to score 50 this year, but I don't care until April 15th. eh? like it's, we do it to ourselves and so does every market. So does every market. It's just been 54 years, which is kind of irrelevant for most of us because our parents hadn't even dreamed us up. 54 years ago for most of us. Our parents hadn't even met 54 years ago for most of us. Oh, Scotty, I know it's wild to say it out loud. It's wild to hear it, but it is, uh, that's where I think, you know, you're talking about the regular season and, you know, Ziggy, like this is what we talk about with this team with being playoff ready. And look, Dubis goes and adds guys. He goes and gets Joe Thornton. He goes and gets Simmons. He goes and adds all these guys, Bogosian, that are going to add to this team and character and, you know, battle level. But this is where it's come down to, and it doesn't matter because it's stylistically, stylistically. And, Scotty, you nailed it. We're talking about puck possession and graphs and everything. And it's it's great awesome that's really neat and cool thing to talk about but winning in the playoffs is different and i think we're you see that and and i don't know i i know that that should have been wrapped up like three to one epic downfall unreal playoff moment for the montreal Canadiens for sure but you gotta put teams away you gotta win playoff hockey and you've got to overcome goal scoring in any way you can look at the Islanders Bruins last night. Islanders were dead in the water. They gave up the first goal. They were nowhere to be found, nowhere to be seen, willed themselves back into this, into that game against the Bruins last night, stylistically with their identity of their play. So it's, it's, I think it's, I think it's on the players, but I also think it's a little bit on the style that they want to play. And we've been saying for how many years, I don't know if you can win with these guys or this style. You have to add this and that, but it's a style too. It's the style. So who does that fall on for you? Like uh, of, like we, the big talk this morning is around the big four, right? And yeah. it's everything is like trade Marner trade, like get like had enough of Matthews. That's been the talk all morning. Um, 
where, I mean, where are you with that? Like, are, are you, are you like, would you move on for, with Mar, from Marner? I mean, it's pretty hard to move on from those guys. They're darn good hockey players. Like, I mean, they're, they're good players. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if I would like, I would probably be a little bit more patient right now with it than probably most reactions at this moment. But, um, you know, where I'm at, at, at fault for it is, is I would look, you know, in that dressing room for sure and say, what the heck happened? How did you collapse? How were you guys deer in the headlights? You know, the last three games of the series when it should have been nighty night, Montreal. Um, and then, and then I think I honestly, I think you have to look stylistically at the way you play. Look at the, the egregious turnovers to goals, which is, you know, they're tinkering with the puck and, and puck possession and 10 foot bump plays. And it's great when it works out, but one mistake and we can see what can happen when it can strike you the other way. Um, so, you know, I think, I think there's some things to look at and, and, and see here stylistically in the playoffs. Yes, they're good and they have a quality team, but when it tightens up and it becomes a little bit harder, is that the way you can honestly win and win a series and win playoff games with elite talent? Are you talking that's their idea? Are you like are you talking about, for example, getting just just getting the puck over your defensive blue line at times? Like is it that yeah, well, simple? They don't want to they don't want to. They don't want to. They don't want to airmail it out. They don't really want to. You know, their mindset is you know, bump it back, hang on to it, bump it to the guy in the middle. Um, you know, even in the offensive zone, the high offense, and there's risks that come with that. And you're banking on your elite skill to hang on the pucks and make these plays and, and not give it up and and keep it. And that's the idea of hockey. And people will go, ha ha ha. What are you talking about? This is what hockey's all about. It's having the puck and it's scoring goals. And it's just that there's like just a lot of things that go into it. There is just a lot of things. And of course we're saying this after a series that should have been put away. It should have been put away. It should have been lights out. And they let Montreal back in. I mean, it was is unbelievable to watch uh, this Montreal team battle back in. And who had the big moments in the series as well? Who had the big moments? Suzuki, overtime winner. Kakaniemi, overtime winner. Um, you know, Cole Caulfield, 2-1-0, overtime winner. I mean, they had all their you got young kids are smiling and having their moment and winning big games uh, on the big stage. Uh, and it was quite the opposite of what we saw from the young stars on the other side. The thing that not a lot of people have really talked about so far is Anderson and Toffoli. Anderson's yeah. effective, like he, he he's physical and he makes his presence felt, but he scored the one goal where no one wanted to be on the ice after the Tavares injury. And Toffoli had the one five on three goal that I didn't even think should have gone in. I thought, and yeah. I thought uh, Campbell should have had it and had an empty net. So like their best two goal scores didn't even show up in the series and no and one Gallagher. seems to be talking. Yeah. Gallagher like came back from injury and didn't score at all either until yeah. the last game in game seven, yeah. get caught the first one. You know, it's you're right. Ziggy. You're right. Like we're 100%. talking about, yeah, we're talking about Matthews and Martin. And I don't want to come to the rescue. I, I, I'm not here to say they're, they were great and everything's all fine in, in leaf land. Like, no, they weren't very good in the series. I'm not saying that. I'm just like, Look at Montreal. Look what their stars did. Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, in big moments too, even their addition and 
stripping pucks and making plays and turnovers. You know, I've seen Eric Stahl around a bunch of stuff out there. I've seen Eric Stahl in a bunch of key moments out there for this team. And, um, yeah, I mean, when it, when the chips are on the table, um, when the chips are down in high-stakes hockey, right now for this young Leafs core, it's not looking – it's not looking great where, you know, kind of the money is made, right? Colby Armstrong with us on leadoff Sportsnet 590, the fan. I mean, I know you're uh, raising your family in Pittsburgh, but deep down at your core, Colby, you're just a, you're just a happy-go-lucky hoser from Lloydminster, Saskatchewan, right? You're, you're, you're just a kid. You're just a kid from the prairies. And, and you came up in the game, and, and I'm going to sound... Like when I was a kid, but I don't care this morning. This town loves Wendell Clark. This town loves Doug Gilmore. The Pat Quinn teams of the late 90s and early 2000s went to two Eastern Conference Finals, but I think it's fair to say that they they were never good enough to win the Stanley Cup, and that was borne out. But they died trying. The Darcy Tuckers... The Gary Roberts, Matt Sundin was a heart and soul guy. Took people a while in this market to figure that out because they were pissed that Wendell Clark got traded out of town to get him. But Matt Sundin was one of those guys. Shane Corson, Travis Green, if I'm starting to repeat myself, I'll just stop naming names now. But you understand where I'm going with this. In this, I do. In this day and age, and look, all pro sports evolve. Or in some cases, devolve. It's kind of like humanity. Some of us evolve, some of us devolve. But in, in this day and age where, and I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm, I'm not, this is not a judgmental statement. It's just a statement of fact. In this day and age where fighting is dissipated, where the big hits have dissipated, where the traditional physical hockey has more or less disappeared, when you spit the bit as a high-skilled team, high-skilled player at the most important time of the year, it can look like you're not gritting and grinding and doing all you can to win. And I think that the people who came up on the Clarks and the Gilmores of the world look at this group of elite and very talented hockey players and have an uncomfortable sense that these guys are entitled and play that way. I don't know if it's a fair statement, but I get it a lot in text. I see it a lot in DMs. Yeah. And when I meet with friends face-to-face and we start shooting the breeze about sports, that's one of the things that comes up. Yeah. And I think it always comes back to the money as well, the big contracts. And and, and if you want to compare it, yes, to the, the glory characters of, of Leafs past, I think that's just the old argument of skill versus will. And I think if you talk to a lot of people when come playoff time, I think if you, I think it's, I think we're seeing a lot of, you know, great stories um, over the years and just now, just on straight up, you know, will. I think, I think, you know, that will factor that you're talking, the, the, the Gilmores, the Clarks, you know, the Tuckers gritting his teeth, fighting a guy that's way bigger than him, battling his heart out. This is what these guys have hung their hat on as Maple Leafs when they put on the jersey is the will to win at all costs. And 
I think that's a fair point. Totally, Scotty. When uh, you know discussing, you know whether it's the new player, uh, player of this era now, um, comparatively, you know to the old school. But I do think that you see some, you know, significant examples year after year, even even now, and in this series of of will comparatively. And I I think I could see the frustration from the fan base in that too. Well, so I think that's a totally fair statement. Lastly, the next time you have date night with wife, (laughs) throw on one of Mark Bergevin's red suits and strut around Carson Street. He's got one of those already. He's got one. He's got one. Do you guys see Mark Bergevin? Um, he came down, obviously, his hair is just sizzling, right? His hair is sizzling. He comes down and he's, like, patting Carrie, of course. And then he, like, neck massages, gives Carrie, like, a neck massage. I, like, what was that? Can you please explain to me what the neck know, massage I was? I would have been like, get your hands off me, please. Is, yeah. that, is that like a COVID hug, I guess, nowadays? Oh, That's, like, as good as we get. That's oh. as good as we get now for a hug. I mean, if, if you could kiss him, I'm sure he would right now with the way Carey Price played. But the red suit, Scotty, I love it. Hey, when, it, when it's all opened up, you guys come down. Come down for a little sports weekend or something. I treat you guys to an epic Pirates weekend. Let's do it. Maybe okay, some Pirates, game and, Pirates game and a, and a round at Oakmont. Perfect. I love and it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Ziggy, you're talking. You are talking. Scotty, Ziggy, bring it on down when it's ready to go. Neck rubs all around for me. Yeah. Great to see you guys. Yeah, and then, and then we'll put our Pirates tickets on the secondary market at a huge markup because everybody wants to see a 107-loss yeah. rebuild, yeah. and we'll go play a second round at Oakmont. Hey, Scotty, Scotty, Scotty. It's a beautiful ballpark. You've just got to it see is. it. Oh, I've be been. There. Oh, I've been. It's absolutely. Oh, you have? Okay, Absolutely great. gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Listen, pal, we uh, appreciate the insight, and uh, thanks, for, thanks for jumping in and reinforcing some of what we feel this morning. And, and you, you've been on both sides of it, Leafs and Habs, so, yep. so you know, and you've got well, the red, you know apparently got the red suit to prove it. Well, yeah, and I was there during, I, it was the 18-wheeler. Yes. And so, you know what, like the fan base, and, um, you know, the love for the team and Leafs Nation and disappointment. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I've been there, so I can kind of, I guess, feel the scrutiny of, of what these guys could possibly be going. But I was never up 3-1 to one in a playoff series of a series. They went into the playoffs 18 points ahead in the regular season. <laughs> it fell apart. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, new, it's a new level. Talk soon, pal. Always fun. Yeah, all the best, guys. Thanks for having me. Colby Armstrong, Sportsnet NHL analyst, a former Maple Leaf and a former Montreal Canadian. Mike Fuda is a former L.A. Kings assistant GM. He's got a cup ring to show for it. The former head coach of the St. Mike's Majors as well. He will be along in just a moment. And here's what we're talking about this morning on leadoff. Sportsnet 590, the fan. The uh, Habs over the Leafs, 3-1. to one. You know it. Yeah, don't need to tell you. You're waking up this morning to the news you found out last night. The Maple Leafs eliminated the game-winning goal turned out to be Corey Perry's second of the series on the power play Gallagher and Toffoli also scoring for Montreal William Nylander potted one late so that the Leafs didn't get shot out Uh, but Toronto is done the Habs will move on and visit Winnipeg in game one of the so-called North Division final tomorrow night the Islanders pull even with an overtime victory in Boston four to three Casey Sezikis 
his first of the playoffs at 1448, uh, giving the Islanders the split of the first two games in Boston. Blue Jays are back in action off an off day. It's their quote-unquote home opener in Buffalo. Lefty Robbie Ray gets the ball. It's a first pitch a little after 7 o'clock here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, uh, Wizards 122, 76ers 114. So Washington survives to play another day. Game 5 in Philadelphia tomorrow. Philly up 3-1. to one. Utah now with a three-games-to-one series lead over Memphis. A 120-113 Game 4 road victory for Utah. Mike Fuda is the former assistant general manager of the Los Angeles Kings. He's got a Stanley Cup ring to prove it. And uh, he is with us now to further break this thing down. I have called this, Mike, the, and I'm almost 42 years old, the, the worst loss. There have been disappointments and heartbreaks for different reasons, whether it's 93, whether it was the 2013 late third period and overtime collapse against Boston, those were different. I would say that this is the worst playoff loss the Toronto Maple Leafs have had in the near four decades that I've I've followed them. If you're in the front office with the Toronto Maple Leafs this morning, you're dealing with the emotions, but you got to come off of those pretty quickly. How do you proceed from here? Wow, that's a that's a tough one. I really, I mean, I wish I had more for you. I, I agree with you. I mean, I look at, I mean, obviously having worked for Los Angeles for 14 years, I mean, I don't have as big a fan interest in it, but growing up in Toronto, I've obviously kept in huge, you just watch it and you feel it and your, your roots kind of come back to you. And this is the first year that I've ever really watched them from start to finish. And it's just kind of a bit of a disbelief. Um, it's. I mean, I, I felt that when they added some of those older pieces, that that would help prevent um, things like this from happening. Because uh, you're supposed to get, you know, that veteran presence in the room is supposed to allow the younger guys to, you know, the, these guys have kind of been there, done that sort of thing. But it, it just was never a sense of we're going to put these guys out of their like put these guys out of their misery. Like we're going to stomp on them. It was almost like, yeah, we're better than them. We don't care what they do. It doesn't matter who's in their lineup. We're still going to beat them. But the only thing you forgot to do was go out and do it on the ice. Like they had all the right clips and quotes and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's never easy. I mean, I can only imagine how, uh, uh, Brendan and Kyle feel today and Sheldon, but, uh, Hey, you gotta, you gotta wear it. You have to wear it. It's not like this is the first time they're being asked to wear it. So um, you've really got to look at the core, the core of this group, uh, and and find and, and question whether they're they're ever going to be able to get over the hump. Mike Fuda is with us, a former LA Kings assistant GM and a Sportsnet analyst. This is leadoff Sportsnet 590, the fan. And Mike is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Does a series like this just fall on Matthews and Marner, or do you go around and look at different parts of it and say, well, we had three games to close it out. W- what happened, right? Was it a was it the fact that guys were just kind of throwing their sticks on the ice in game five and six saying, well, we're going to get it done. Somebody's going to get it done in one of these three, or is it a bigger issue with, 
the way it's constructed or coaching or systems? What was it for you and how would you evaluate it? I think it's it's a little bit of everything. I mean, it's not just, I mean, obviously our two Stanley Cups in Los Angeles leading up to the 2012 Cup, and this is all I have to work off of because I was obviously on the inside of it, is we had we had some mighty failures leading up to it to 2012, but we learned from it, right? Uh, and you could see that the next time it came around, we were battle tested and prepared, and and we did the same thing. We added, you know, we added the Mike Richards and and Justin Williams, and we added the the kind of battle tested guys, Jeff Carter. So we had those veteran guys to surround Kopitar and Dowdy and Quick, right? Your superstars. Um, and then when it came to 2012, you could just tell the resiliency was there. We had to win down the stretch. We had to grind it out. Um, there was no asterisk beside us that we were already the division leaders. You know, we're the regular season champions yet again, which this team seems to have down to an art winning the regular season. But we were ready for everything, the adversity, and there was just nobody was going to stop us in the playoffs. They were that determined. And you just didn't see that determination. And I don't think he can blame it on the – like, I honestly think go the other way. Like, if there were fans to watch this, whew, like, it could have been even nastier. But it's it's just – it's difficult. I mean, and, and nobody it, – it's it, here's part of it. Like, our guys as well, and it's it's just a different dynamic – is our guys, our young superstars got paid because they won Stanley Cups. Like uh, Drew Doughty and Kopitar and those guys got their money after they got their rings. And sometimes it just, it's, it could be the nature of the beast when you give everybody their, when you give everybody their, <laughs> their gifts and their, before they really accomplished anything. Sometimes it's hard to just, it, there's not that, if I don't get this done, I'm not going to get my money because you've already got your money. And that's the only thing I can think of because they're not; these are not bad kids, or and they're superstar, like superstar talents. But if you've already given them the keys to the palace, sometimes you don't. That's all I can think of is that maybe it's it's harder to press the accelerator. To realize if I don't win tonight and I don't perform, I'm not again. I'm not going to get the keys to the palace. And that's a, and, and and that's all I can think of because it just makes no sense whatsoever, especially when you turn it on, you know, when you see like um, you see what guys like McKinnon are doing and uh, you know making you know making much less money that just dominate series because they're the best players on their teams and clearly Austin Matthews is a world class player uh, and, 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 and he, it's just there's a, just a, a lack of it seemed a perception that there's a lack of desperation anyways. And, and completely with Marner, who is incredibly skilled, but that is a, you know, I mean, when you're, when you're making that much money and your comments after game six in a press conference are, we just didn't, weren't, we didn't come ready to play. That's problematic. <laughs> that's and that's, problematic. and it's also yeah. a trend. It's also a trend that dates back years. Right, because yeah. that's what they were and saying I, a year and a half, two years ago. Babcock was saying it. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, we, uh, you know, as much as and rightfully so, I guess people. There's also a trend too. There's a type of coach, and, I, and I've got a ton of respect for Sheldon, but he's got to be just, you know, you've got all this, 
you got all these millionaires in the dressing room, you know, you, you want to see, and obviously, you know, you lose Tavares, you lose Muslim, but you know what? Last year, Tampa Bay lost Stamkos and they lost Hedman and they still found ways to, to get it done, you know, at, at various times throughout the playoffs. So it, there's not a team that's ever won at Stanley Cup that didn't lose a key piece along the way and found a way to overcome it. So you can't use that as well. Uh, so it's just, again, something has to be registered, whether it's, you know, who's pushing the buttons behind the bench or who's building the team uh, or just the internal chemistry itself. It has to be registered because this is just like, I, I honestly, I couldn't, I laughed because they showed that thing with all the sports that analysts, I think there wasn't one person that picked the Montreal Canadiens. Okay. So, I mean, clearly we're all idiots, but you can't tell me that the Montreal Canadiens are a better hockey team than Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and I'm good on them good on them because I think everybody's picking apart the Leafs and nobody's really giving Montreal credit. They're just saying, well, Carey Price is great. You know what? They were resilient. Uh, They were very resilient. Like if you could, if, if, if the majority of the Toronto Maple Leafs competed as hard as Ben Chariot, if I mean pronouncing his name right, I mean, this guy was an, an average OHL player with over above average compete with the Guelph storm. And he was unbelievable. And just because he worked, he he looked like a guy that was bound and determined to win a series. And and it's just, there's way too much was lacking. And it's the same post-mortem, as you said, as you mentioned, guys, it seems every year it's the same thing. Uh, And that's frustrating. That's got to be frustrating for Leaf fans. I'm frustrated for the individual guys that I know on the team. I'm not, I mean, I'm not wearing it on my sleeve like I'm this massive Leaf fan. I'm married. I really care about some of the guys in that dressing room that failed to get to where they want as individuals because that team had so much more to give than they gave. And that's a problem. Do you ever, or have you ever talked to one of the older players in the room? Like say, say you didn't know, or you had questions about where the team was going and maybe it was different than you thought. Have you ever pulled a guy aside? I don't mean just like the typical year end, you know, exit interviews and meetings you have with players. And I was telling Scotty earlier in the show, I didn't hear Joe Thornton talk after the game yesterday, but that's someone I'm interested to see what he thinks of this group. And I don't mean just in front of the media. I mean, like he was pulling him in and like a one-on-one and saying, what are your thoughts? Like, am I missing something here? Yeah, it's a, that's a great point to you because the one thing that I, I was kind of surprised with, and I mean, what else do you say? But his comment in front of the camera yesterday was we played all year to put ourselves in a situation of being a game seven. And I don't, I don't think they did. They played all year to put themselves in first place so they could yeah. get an opponent lesser than them that they could crush and move on to the next opponent. Um, it, it, so I, I just felt a different take on it. I know in our situation, in our second Stanley Cup run, uh, we, had in our, we went to the conference final in 2013 and lost. And just seeing how angry the guys were, um, they were like, we want next season to start right now. And then we ended up going down three games to nothing in 2014 in the first round of San Jose. And you just to, just to not dodge, but Jonathan Quick walked by me and said, we're winning this series. <laughs> so there's a difference. Like in your life, I'm looking at him like internally. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> like, it's certainly not, I didn't have that thing like, oh, what was me? It's over. I just saw somebody who had already won who knew that dressing room. Um, uh, we had Daryl Sutter as our coach that had a, 
you know, a, a completely different background as far as pushing buttons and stuff like that and, a, and the amount of experience as a head coach. And it was something to watch because there wasn't one guy in that dressing room. And there were certain guys that we had that, hadn't, that weren't a part of the 2012 thing, but they were just looking around the room and they had no doubt in their mind that they were going to win. And then when we, when, we, we went, when we won that next game and went 3-1, I literally, I was like, okay, we're going to win the series. And it was just based on those guys knew themselves well enough. And you could also read the other side that San Jose was starting to doubt themselves. And our guys truly believed that nothing was going to stop them. But the amount of shot blocks, the amount of hits, the amount of, you know, there's far too many guys in the Toronto Maple Leafs today that could go, could go out and play around the golf and wouldn't have any aches and pains. The playoffs are supposed to, you're supposed to limp out of a playoff series, and there's far too many of them that don't have enough bumps and bruises to say that you really put it all in it. With Mike Feuda on leadoff, Sportsnet 590, the fan, something to chew on is brought to you by Great Canadian Meat. So, Mike, you've been in exit meetings. I'm wondering, and it would be specific to the season and I'm sure specific to the player, but I'm wondering what the general tone of an exit meeting is, and I'm wondering who does most of the talking and who does most of the listening. And when I ask you this question, as it pertains to this year's Toronto Maple Leafs, given the amount of money he's paid, uh, the perception, perhaps the reality, that there was some degree of petulance in, in pursuit of his big money, I'm wondering how a conversation in an exit meeting would go with Mitch Marner? Probably similar to last year's. <laughs> I hate, I mean, at what point, like, where's the accountability? I mean, unless you're prepared to, and again, this is a great kid who, uh, you know, held out, I'm getting my money, uh, got his money, but there's a couple of them. I mean, this goes right back to the Nylander. And I mean, it's so easy to talk. I mean, and again, I don't want to beat it up, but it, it was, again, this kid, I'm going to sit at home until I get my money. What have you done? Really nothing yet. I wouldn't be an incredible, talented kid that's going to be a very good NHL player. But you hadn't won yet. And they let him get away with it. And this whole team seems to have this, when it comes down to it, not this whole team, but this nucleus seems to, what do you do? Because you can't hold back. You're never going to get that big contract if you don't do this, this, and this. Because they've already got it. <laughs> they've got it for a lot more years. It's not like it just ends next year. So it'll be interesting. And I think it was a great point. I think you might have made the point that I'd be, I think it's the, the exit meetings I want to hear are the guys that are the grizzled veterans mm-hmm. and just ask what happened. I want, to, I want to know what happened because, I mean, it's still, I mean, you got Patrick Marlowe, it was last year, just raving about, you know, it's unbelievable watching Marner and, you know, they took him under their wing. And then this year, you know, you got Jumbo in the background naked with missions. You know, they've got the right guys around them, right? And I'm not, and trust me, this, nobody's going to tell me that Joe, Joe, Joe Thornton isn't the great, isn't a great leader, isn't a great teammate, you know, and if, because he, well, he's never really got a ring. This guy's the ultimate pro. Everybody that's played with him knows what a battle-worn guy is. And we used to see it firsthand with San Jose. So this isn't a guy that takes shortcuts. 
I mean, he obviously doesn't have as much to give anymore, but he's never a guy that's going to take shortcuts. Like Nick Foligno, this guy is an absolute warrior. Wayne Simmons, absolute warrior. Like, I mean, but you just can't leave a series like that talking about God, Spezza was good. You know, you've got to be talking about your young pieces and what they did and they took it to another level. And this team continually takes it to another level in the regular season. And again, I, 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 there is something to be said. I read something from Don Cherry this morning. I know it was with us that when you're battle tested, like Montreal had to, well, the hard thing is they didn't have to win every game, but they had to scratch and claw to get that one win just to get in the, like for forever. It was like, is Calgary going to catch them? So every game mattered to them where the Leafs, you know, they had an asterisk for so long that all of a sudden to turn it up a notch and just say, oh, well, we've got Montreal. We've wiped the mat with them all year. This is going to be easy. They never got that pure grit of we're going to just take this team. And, and that I don't know. I, you either have that or you don't have that. Like, obviously, these guys are sick of – they don't want to lose. They're sick of losing. I mean, Brendan Shanahan is a, the way he played the game. I mean, the guy was an absolute warrior. So to watch this has got to kill him. But you can't teach people to have that kind of warrior mentality when it comes to time to play. And playoffs is not a skills competition. It's a battle. It's in it. and 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 when you look at that clock and you uh, and you see while we're down, you have to make a decision: Am I willing to put all on the line? Because if I put all on the line, a couple months left, and that's going to be a lot more work. Or you just look and shake your head and go, okay, yeah, I guess we're done again. It's just hard to watch. Like I watched Jack Campbell last night in the press conference. I was devastated for him because that kid, I mean, in fairness, I mean, here he is talking about the worst goal he ever let in in his life. And if it wasn't for him, this could have been, series could have been over long ago. So, but he cares. It's a matter of figuring out how to care when it matters the most and understanding truly like, truly, I mean, I get it. Like, I mean, I said, I saw something the other day about, hey, don't get on these guys. You know, they do a lot for charity and stuff. That's one. That's absolutely wonderful. You're supposed to do that when you're a professional hockey player. It's part of the, it's part of the privilege of being a hockey player to be able to help people and stuff like that. But when you're paid that much money, particularly now in the environment the world is in right now, you're going to be criticized if you don't bring your A game when it matters the most. And that's just something you've got to reflect upon because these guys are so super talented. But to not be able to pull this series off in particular, like these two, the Canadian division was a foregone conclusion. It was how are these guys going to compete when they get up against Tampa and, and all these teams? And maybe they were thinking the same thing, that these are, uh, these are just uh, warm-ups for when we have to play the big boys that we haven't played yet. But it was not pretty to watch, that's for sure. Great way to leave it, Mike. Thanks for your insight. And there are a lot of questions that need to be answered for this team going forward, heading into the offseason, not the least of which, among others, is, a, is Jack Campbell your number one heading into training camp, or do you look elsewhere in goal, presuming that Freddie's not back? Uh, we'll talk about that, ask you that question so much more when we have you back on soon. Thank you. Thanks, gentlemen. Have a great day. Mike Fuda is uh, the former assistant general manager of the LA Kings, has a couple of Stanley Cup rings, Long-time hockey man. And he was brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Tim McAuliffe, the host of Tim and Friends. He'll help us put this into context. This is ugly, man. It's the worst loss 
it is the worst playoff loss in my four decades almost following this team. What does Timmy think? Ziggy and I ask him next. Lead off. Doug Upziggy, the top cap hits in the NHL. Connor McDavid, Artemi Panarin, Austin Matthews, Eric Carlson, Drew Doughty, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, Carey Price, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Jack Eichel, Andrzej Kopitar, Sergei Bobrovsky. There is one name on that list who is still playing hockey as we sit here right now. Yeah, it's kind of a little surprising, you know, like I don't, I, does I, it tell us, does it tell us that the eight figure salaries can be restrictive? Although a lot of these names that I just laid out are eight figure guys. I mean, especially the ones in their prime, the McDavid's, the Panarin's, the Matthews of the world. There may be some regret on the Carlson and Doughty deals, but a lot of these names, Eichel, I mean, he's an eight-figure player when he's healthy and going. And I, it's not going to get any easier, right? You, a lot of times you want to sign these big contracts. One, you want to lock guys up. Like Marner and Matthews, you want to lock them up, and you're just hoping the cap goes up. Like from it stayed flat last year, this year, and moving forward, it's going to stay flat at 81 and a half. What should it be this summer? Not It should have been 90, 92, maybe 95 million. The Leafs are fine. They're in great shape. So you want to sign these guys. You want to keep them in your organization. And then you want to build it around. You want to build a team around them. And at some point, these are going to be value contracts. Look at, look at the Boston Bruins right now. Colorado Avalanche. Look at their both of their top lines, right? What are the Bruins at? Eighteen million for the three of them. Um, it's it's t- it's going to be it's it's hard to win when you got these big contracts on the books and in the the cap stays flat. I I don't know I don't know where you go from here if if you're some of these teams, right? Leafs. I mean, Eric Carlson's he's almost at twelve million dollars. Um. Panarin almost at twelve million dollars. Jack Eichel, they don't even know if he's going to be there in Buffalo. Uh, Bobrovsky in Florida, ten million dollar goaltender. They're out first round. It's he, he wasn't even playing. So, yeah, it's uh, if you look at the whole list, it's actually, you know, I think Mark Stone comes in there next through the next ten names. Tim McAuliffe is with us now. He is the host of Tim and Friends on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590, the fan. Timmy, you and I are about the same age. This is the this is the worst loss, worst playoff loss the Maple Leafs have suffered in my lifetime. There have been disappointing moments and disappointing individual games, whether it's 93 against the Kings or that period of time late in the third in overtime, the collapse against Boston in 2013, 
Leafs were, I think, the inferior team. This, they were clearly the better team on paper. They had a three games to one series lead, having won game four, four to nothing. And nothing to show for it. Nothing. I, I, I get it because this was expected and expectations in Toronto hockey circles are silly. Uh, 4-1 to me still seems like more heartbreak, but I get why most people, I put out a, a poll last night asking people on Twitter which was worse and 72%. And there's some recency bias here, I believe, uh, but 72% of people said that this one was as bad as it comes. And Scotty, we're in that, that wheelhouse of age where we were a little too late for the glory years, but have sat through the Ballard debacle and sat through uh, hope and the passion returning. Uh, it has been a tough road to hoe for Leaf fans. And honestly, like, I feel bad for all the people who sat on your guys' couch for those calls. Like, I, I, I honestly feel bad because there's a lot of bad luck here. And Ziggy's right. Like, if you look at the, sap, the salary cap, 16 of the top 17 hits are out of the playoffs. Like, keep going down the list. 16 of the top 17 are out of the playoffs. The flat cap, like, I could give you 15 reasons for why this is happening, but it doesn't matter because every Leaf fan expected more this year, even if their captain was hurt in game one, even if their uh, most punishing defenseman was out. Like, there's a bunch of reasons why this happened. No one wants to hear it today. For you, is this solely on the players, on the big boys especially, or is this more of a management thing where you, you, you say, well, look at the way they were put together two years ago, then they made the adjustments, nothing's gotten better. Where, where yeah, do you stand? The one thing, like, I, I had a lot of Edmonton fans reaching out to me and saying, why aren't you killing uh, Matthews on, on leaving town like you kill mcdavid on leaving town and and my response is the leafs supporting cast did enough for them to get through like mm -hmm. no one is saying like spezza may have been one of the better players on the ice um mm -hmm. there was enough support for marner and matthews and they just didn't get the job done and the truth is when you pay them that much money like you were talking about ziggy and listen dubas got screwed because the cap stayed the same and anyone who thinks that that's not true just doesn't know hockey. If the cap moves to even $88 million, that's a $7 million player that you can add to the team. And think of what you could get for $7 million. He got screwed mm -hmm. by the flat cap in the pandemic, and you're paying uh, Marner, Matthews, and Tavares over $30 million. Like, think about it. Nathan McKinnon is the best player in the playoffs right now, and he's making 6.3. The difference between McKinnon and Mitch Marner is a $4.5 million player. That's a pretty good player, and that's the truth. And unless Marner covers that off, which he did not do, you're screwed, and that's what happened to the Leafs. And never mind a $10 million player in Tavares is out of the lineup which is another inconvenient truth for a lot of people who just want to rail on the Leafs today, and I get it because they haven't done anything in their lifetime. Yeah, and... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to chuckle after that, well, but it's true. Well, I, I th here's another thing that's occurred to me, Tim, and I, I don't feel like I feel it as much as others, but I think it's out there. This is a city 
that loves Wendell Clark and Doug Gilmore yeah. and Gary Roberts and Darcy Tucker and Shane Corson and Matt Sundin. And it took a while to fall in love with Matt Sundin because he came here in exchange for Wendell Clark, and there was resentment over that. But my point is, is that I think a lot of us appreciate the high skill with which this game is played in this day and age. But there is an old school element, and we all get this way at a certain age. There is an old school element or when I was a kid, the game was played this way, and the game isn't played that way anymore. And when a bunch of guys who are uber-skilled playing a sport where hitting is way down, where there's no more fighting, the things we grew up on really don't exist anymore, I think there's a sense of entitlement. I think, I think people think these players play entitled, that they're interested in, in a skills competition as opposed to the grit and the grind required at this time of year, and the simmering resentment for the way the game has changed, which typically lives just under the surface, bubbles up at times like this. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. And I also think that um, kind of living in that resentment and allowing it to bubble to the surface is the fact that we all know that the game is played one way during the regular season and another way in the playoffs. And the NHL allows that. Like, there is absolutely no doubt who had more skating skill in this series. The Leafs had way more skill on the ice outside of the goaltender position than the Montreal Canadiens had. But the Canadiens got greasy. The Canadiens got dirty. The Canadiens started paying the sacrifice that you have to, that everyone says you, every closing montage on every season shows the dude with his tooth knocked out and the bleeding cheekbone as he goes to the ice and then goes off the ice and then comes back on. Like every single one of them for every year at the end of the season is all about that sacrifice. And you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and you tell me who's built that way. Yeah. And I and, and the way I look at the series, Tim, is I, I try telling Scotty, we had Mike Feudon on uh, last hour. Yep. I, I, I see it as two different kind of segments, this whole series, like one through one through four and then five, six, seven for me. And, and it's OK. To, yeah, I just like, <laughs> you know, I, I like who showed up. Like, Nylander was great one through five. I didn't really notice him game six and seven when it mattered. Matthews and Marner didn't show up at all. You know, at parts, they would show up during the series. Mikheyev does everything for me, but... Doesn't finish. Is he a, th- is he a threat to score? Like, I, I need three yeah. lines in the playoffs that are a threat to score. And they, they yeah. didn't have that through the three of the most important games of the, of the year. Well, that's, that's, and that's the type of player that I'm talking about too, right? Like, I, I know that Mikheyev carries possession and he can do everything. He can skate, he can move, he can body guys, he can win puck battles. Kerfoot does the same thing for me. And then there's no finish. And you got a guy like Corey Perry who's picked up for $750,000 who just goes to the front of that, pushes around a couple people, finds a puck and jams it in. Like, that. That, to me, is a part of the equation, Scotty, when you're talking about that type of game, that I don't think that the Leafs 
valued enough. And Wayne Simmons brought it and almost became a cult hero, right? And um, a little different after his injury, but people appreciated what he brought because it was that blue-collar work ethic that, that Leaf fans appreciate. And I think there's some people who really know hockey that understand what that can bring you at this time of year because we all understand that the game is not only played differently but officiated differently. And the Leafs have to find that balance. And they they tried as hell to do it this year by adding a few guys that they thought could add a little bit of sandpaper and a little bit of that grit, but it wasn't enough. Obviously, it wasn't enough. I'm telling you right now, Tim, if Mitch Marner has played his last game as a Maple Leaf, I would not be surprised. Yeah, I, we can we can debate and a little bit of a shameless plug. I'll be joining you on Tim and Friends yeah. this afternoon, and we can discuss this as part of the the postmortem panel. But like, I, I don't know if that's the right move or not, and you certainly don't do it for the sake of doing it. But if you need to free up cap space in a flat cap to address other areas, maybe you get a package for Mitch, maybe you sign a Dougie Hamilton. And maybe Nick Robertson and some others slide in and fill gaps. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think everything's on the table, and I. I just find it hard to deal uh, the sheer talent that Mitch Marner brings to your team. But you can't ignore the cap hit, and you can't ignore that the player battled for that cap hit. Like, let's not forget. Like, hold out so that you can get as much money as possible. And then when it matters most, you're not there. Like, I think there's a lot of Leaf fans who, who think real hard on things like that. And I don't know if that's – to me, it's not passable. Like, he looked either hurt or rattled to me, and no one's talking about him being hurt. So the last thing I have is rattled. And it's a fine line, and Ziggy knows this, and I think everyone knows this, right? Like, Ovi's a loser, right? Ovi's a great player who's a loser until a first-round series against the Columbus Blue Jackets. They're in double overtime, down 0-2, and they get a goal off of shin pads, and all of a sudden he's a winner, right? Like, and then they beat they Pittsburgh. Couple, they slay yeah. that dragon, yeah. Right, and it's just the way it goes sometimes is uh, you aren't until you are, and patience sucks on days like this, but sometimes you have to have it. Now, I think that, if you got the right pieces back from Marner, Gretzky was traded. You can trade everybody, but there's um, there's just such a fine line. And in days like this, uh, I don't think that perspective is often brought to the table. And I know why, because it's passion, and uh, it's supposed to be the passion that unites us all, right? Yep. And I'm getting demolished on backing Marner and and, and Matthews today yeah, on Twitter. You can't do it today. I had to turn it. I had to turn it off. I turned it off. Yeah, I yeah. just like talk to the veteran. I've been around long enough. You can't do that on days like this. Just get out of the I, way. Train. I, you can't stand in front of the train. Yeah, I I usually can handle it during the show today. I turned off the replies and mentions. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I just I don't see them. I don't see them wanting to trade for for Marner unless they bring back uh, a bona fide number one defenseman um, who can play the power play, play the point. I don't, I don't see a deal working out and they just haven't worked out well. I mean, would, I mean, would Buffalo trade Eichel 
for Marner? Yeah, I was going like, to say, how many how many Eichel for Marner deals did you hear today? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how many Seth Jones for Marners? I've seen that on the text line. Yeah. All of it, right? So, yeah. well, you've got, I'm just counting here, which is always dangerous live on the air, eight hours and about five and a half minutes to bring some sanity to the airwaves because uh, I don't feel like I did that this morning. Ziggy helped a little bit. so uh, <laughs> But I'll look forward to uh, joining you in the 5 o'clock hour today, Timmy. It's always a blast, and, and uh, we'll get you back on here soon because this is going to be a long off season with a lot to talk about. Uh, I always appreciate it, boys. And, and Toronto, uh, greater Toronto area, Leaf fans, I'm giving you a virtual hug. I feel your pain. I understand your pain. Tim McAuliffe, the host of Tim and Friends, 5 to 7 o'clock. Sportsnet, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. We are back tomorrow morning with more breakdown, an extra sleep, maybe a little less emotion. The Blue Jays have their home opener in Buffalo tonight, if that's what you want to call it. We'll be all over that. Deep breaths. Enjoy your sunny Tuesday. Edison Bunkus, good show, carries the torch forward for the next three hours. Losers. Because that's what they are. They're losers.